Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You are now locked in to the latest episode of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com right now and check out Matt Williams' player breakdowns. They're the best in the business, bar none. And a special congratulations to Matt Williams for being selected to join Tout Wars in 2021. It's episode 73! The Adbert Azalea edition! You are all in for a very special treat today, as we have the distinct pleasure of being joined by the man who has created the Fantasy Baseball Podcast Bracket. Yes, it's round two starting on Monday, March 1st. We got our own bit of March Madness as Chris from Baseball Pods joins us to talk about fantasy baseball. Join your host Christopher Deary and Michael Govier as they examine the Baseball Pods round one and look ahead to round two, plus give credit to podcasts that deserve their due. The fellas will also go on the record right before spring training starts with insane fantasy takes, and they'll take a look at some keeper conundrums. Not dynasty, but keeper. Chris loves hip-hop, and he's a big Yankees fan, so if you like either of those things or fantasy baseball, you're going to enjoy today's show. Take it away, boys! You You are now locked in to the Hanks Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is episode 73. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your business and your patronage, as always. 
It's me and your co-host, Christopher Deary. Christopher, how are you tonight? I'm here. It's a Saturday evening, 6 p.m. Uh, it's warm outside, dude. It's like 50 degrees out. This is amazing. The snow is is slowly starting to melt until it starts snowing again. But we got spring training games. It's upon us. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Let's roll. Yeah, this is being recorded on Saturday, like Deary said. And Sunday, spring training starts, and we're looking forward to that. Don't forget, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com if you have any questions, concerns, or queries about the show or fantasy baseball, whether it's redraft, dynasty, keepers, whatever, roto, points, I don't care what it is, we'll answer or try to answer anything that we can. And, of course, follow us on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. Today's guest is a man who I, boy, what can you say about a man who has it all? I mean, this is a guy who's famously known for his brackets that he's doing for the second time this year, and it's currently in progress. We're going to talk about it. But beyond that, he also has his own website, and sometimes I feel like people forget about that. It's really cool. I want to recommend that you go to it. It's BaseballPods.com. Now, it's not just baseball. It's baseball dash or hyphen pods.com check it out he's got great stuff beyond just being a guy who loves to listen to all the baseball pods in the realm of fantasy baseball he also has his own content it got him into tgfbi he's going to be a part of that this year everybody welcome a friend of mine a friend of yours mr baseball pods himself chris chris how are you doing tonight i'm doing excellent i like the name christopher and you know, I'm thinking of Deary. I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, maybe I should change it to Christopher in baseball pods. Like that is my name, and it it's is. a great name. I, I, I mean, objectively, I think it's the best name out there for for, for some. Nobody, re- nobody's really ever called me by my f- full first name, or even my your, first your name. Your mother does all that. She doesn't. Oh wow! Amazingly, she does. She Chris? does not. Yeah, <laughs> no, she doesn't. She she rarely ever says Christopher. She calls me actually Sea Fry or Siege, which was like a nickname I had when I was a little kid. Does but... your Does your mother play DFS? Because <laughs> that's a that's like really weird. That's hilarious. No, <laughs> she, no, she, she does not. She would not even know what that is. But yeah, I would agree that Christopher is one of probably one of the top two or three names ever created. Oh, absolutely, it's Badaish, as they like to say. I mean, that's a great name. I mean, Christopher, wow. I mean, come on, beautiful. Come on. Phenomenal, so phenomenal. Cool. You, you Govier, I mean, I mean, Govier is a, that's an eighty grade name as well. But I would, I would just stick with Govier. Well, you're also a Michael, so that was, uh, you know, one of the other like massively popular names if you're born in the late seventies, early eighties. Absolutely. 80s. I mean, Chris, Michael, Christopher's, I want, Michael's, Jason's. I wanted Michael to be my confirmation name, but it was so popular. I was like, nah, I can't do that. That's too mainstream. I got to go with Paul, which Ooh. is lame. No offense, for, but it was lame. didn't work i don't think christopher paul's is cool christopher michael i mean that guy could be something special my middle name is paul oh there you go well my middle name is ndeki n-d-e-k-i so enjoy having that one in middle school and high school when you go to an all-boys high school it's a it's a kenyan it's swahili and it means the son of and uh, so my name is christopher ndeki mar which is carrier of christ son of and Mar in Gaelic means a farmer. So carrier of Christ, son of a farmer. Now you know more about me than my best friends do. Beautiful. Bill Mar is a farmer. I didn't know that. It's good to know as well. So. He is. I don't know what William means, but yes. No. Well, you can't Probably know everything, jerk. Chris. You bring as much knowledge as you can to the show, and I think it's more than plentiful. We appreciate you coming on. We're going to talk about the baseball pods tourney, which is currently underway. Round one is in the can. We'll review that, and then we'll talk about week two coming up. And, of course, don't forget, rotofanatic.com. 
You cannot forget Roto Fanatic. It's impossible. Yeah. How could I forget it? A Roto Fanatic Podcast <laughs> Network. We are certainly a part of it. Don't check out the Turn Two Podcast with Matt Williams. He has new episodes that come out usually on Tuesdays, and we got great people writing good stuff over at RotoFanatic.com. I want to do a little bit of the housekeeping and say thank you to everybody who, you know, got us to victory. We didn't really ask for the victory in the tournament, but it was very cool that you guys kind of stepped up for us. And we didn't want to lose. It wasn't like, hey, <laughs> like we're not trying to lose on purpose at all. That was not the case. But because people were messaging me saying, hey, do you want us to promote you? Do you want us to you know, support you to win? I'm like, of course. We would never turn down anybody's support. But we just weren't like uh, making a pissing contest out of it between us and Nasty Cast with Van and Brian and Ron. We like those guys, like I said. So, so great thank you. Yeah, they're great people. And Absolutely. I mean, we you could, are really channeling the spirit of Mr. Belvedere. That's what I would say. I would say that's He's accurate. a man of the people. Well, <laughs> is he, though? I mean, Joker was the man of the people. I think Mr. Belvedere was, like, trying to, like, class up the joint a little bit. But at the end of the day, what we learned about Mr. Belvedere was that he had a heart of gold, which is what I think this podcast represents. Thank you. As much Even as that, he, yeah. that stiff upper lip would melt away when, you know... Real challenges of suburban life of the 1980s came into play. Yes, exactly. He had a heart of gold despite his prim and proper image. I would say that's very, very true. I love true. a vest collection, too. Great I mean, I mean, that is a strong... I mean, 80-grade vests. <laughs> Oh, God, 80 grade. That's so funny. I got to tell you, I want to thank you, Mark Kiefer. Uh, gave us a lot of analysis and helped out and pushed for us as well. Thank you, Mark. He gave me some great tips. I did a Friday night Rotowire OC last night. Big How was it? How'd you do? Oof. I feel pretty confident about it. Where'd you we draft talk- that, Mike? I was in the four spot. Ooh, that's a good and spot. I love this four. I, I didn't ask for it. Spot. I didn't ask for it. It just kind of... I. I missed the KDS, I'll be honest, and which is not a good idea when you're putting $350 down. It is not. <laughs> um, you, you got a little luck of the Irish there. I did. And I'll tell you what, it was a, this league was filled with sharks. Uh, Big-time hitters like Mark and Vlad and Fish. John Fish was in there, Ooh. and there was more. There's more of them. Like, this thing was pretty cutthroat, pretty hardcore, and I'm glad that I got to get the experience in. It was really useful. So thank you to everybody for teaching me lessons. Uh, uh, Zytor, Richard Zito, he was in there as well. And he was one of many people who have offered to, they want to split a main event league with me. I don't know if we're going to do that. Main event is, what, how much is it? $1,800, $1,700? $1,700, I think, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done main event or do you do main events? Because I never asked you. I haven't, no, no, I haven't done main events yet. I would have been out there this year. I just, I don't feel like traveling yet uh, is the right thing for, for me and my family. And if people want to do it, good good on you. It's just not for sure. me right now. But um, I plan on doing it in 2022. Uh, I would have, I here's my thing. If I'm going to put down that, I was ready to do it. And um, if I'm going to do that though, I want to be there in person because when you talk to the people who have done it, that is part of the experience. Like I want to sit down next to Vlad or Mike the Mouth or Gecko or one of these other just you know you know you know Hinkleman or someone like that. I want to sit down next to them and in the same room with them and draft. For me, that's part of what I'm paying for uh, to be there. So I just didn't want to do it until I could be there in person. And, uh, so 2022 is my target. I like it. I, that make that feels good to me. I like. 
having maybe another year before we put that kind of money down. And even if I did do it, I still might split it in 2022. But I mean, this OC was crazy. I, also, I had Toby, Batflip Crazy was in it. And it had, did you do uh, the Go Pocket Aces, Mike? That's a great question. I was so engrossed in my own draft, I did not pay attention to him. But I'm sure I could give you that information. I, I know you're hosting this, and I feel bad, but I'm really curious about this now. What did oh, it's you easy. start? Look what at did that. you start off with? What did you? What was your? What was you? What were your top four for me? Well, the, the fourth spot. So my first four picks. Trey I, I started off with Garrett Cole. First time I've taken a oh. starter in round because Degrom went third, and I took Cole fourth. And gotcha. it was the first time I've taken a starting pitcher. That early, I will admit that freely. And then I went with him, and then when it came back to me, I took uh, Cody Bellinger because more starters had gone and some of the shortstops had gone. And I, I I don't love his shoulder. I maybe would rather not have him, but I took that He's chance. he got that Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon shoulder. You can just pop it in and out. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a good pick. Okay, good. I do well, too. I'm, he's I'm, very I'm, talented. I'm yeah. He's I think worst case. Guy. I think worst case scenario is still like a top twenty-five guy. Siege is correct. And then I took uh, DJ and Tim Anderson. That was my top four. So interesting. Interesting. That's a really interesting. That's a really. That's a very interesting top four. I like that. I think. Uh, I like that. You got. You got. You got a very well. You've got some power. You've got some speed. You've got some batting average floor, and you've got it. You've got like. A, you got an ace. I, I really like that start. Thank you. Well, that makes me feel better because, you know, it's a 30-round. OCs are 12-teamers, and they're 30 rounds, 23 starters, 7 bench. So mm-hmm. it's not as deep as the DCs I've been doing or other draft and holds. Uh, but it is fab, so there will be plenty of opportunities because I totally abandoned relief pitching. Like, <laughs> I didn't really go deep on that. And I'm going to hopefully roll the dice on some fab opportunities. But with all these guys in this league, man, it's... It's going to be a challenge. Like I said, these guys are... You got a fab against the fab whisperer. I mean, that's, I know. that's just, just freaking intimidating, man. It's like, was, good luck with that. I just... <laughs> that's what I've been thinking of nonstop. I'm like, no, I got to go against a guy who writes an article that most people rely on every week for their for fab. fab. So, yeah. So, it's going to be a challenge. You know, uh, Guilds is in there. Apparently, he's a big-time player as well. So, there's a lot of big He's a big-time player, big-time talker. Big-time okay. big tweeter. Yeah. And, uh, of course, my guy... Anthony, he's a good dude. Anthony Glade. I always spell. His, I always mix his name up. It's so weird to me. Anthony, I apologize. I make mistakes, but I'm getting. That doesn't better, sound so. like his right last name, Anthony. I apologize. Glade. Is it Glade, Anthony? God, I always look at it and double check. Yeah, it's got Gialdi. Gialdi. God, hey, Italiano. Yeah, it's Anthony Gialdi. I'm sorry, Anthony. Hey. So here's here's the question, Mike. So you're talking about how you got a lot of heavy hitters. How much of does that play into things once the season starts? Like, is it all based on like, like, does everything come down to your draft? Like, or if you're a really serious pl- player, because there is fab, I mean, because, because here's what I've been doing as I've been doing some drafts is like, I, I, I'm trying to not have any analyzation about what my team looks like. It's either good or it's bad. I have no idea what's going to happen because it's completely out of my, you know, realm of, you know, handling what's going to happen with players so that's why it gets really interesting when we talk about like oh yeah you know this guy's in the league this guy's in the league this guy's in the league does it matter now that the draft is already over or does it matter a ton just because there is fab the general discussion was about how fab would dictate the winner of this league most likely okay the draft could be great but with so many cycles of fab that can be run with a thousand dollar budget 
12 players agreed upon in the chat there's, last night. Most of the yeah. people were saying, yeah, well, this league will probably be decided by who wins most of the fabs and yeah. makes the right calls on the r- proper money and the money you spend the person on. Right, Chris? That's how good. Yeah. yeah, there's going to be a ton of really good players because you got 12 teams, 30 rounds. So, yeah, there's, there's going to be plenty. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's why I kept I kept thinking, oh my God, he's still he's not going to get drafted. He's not going to get drafted. It's so strange <laughs> when you've done fifty round drafting holds like we've done with the Palazzo Invitational. You know, yeah. we we're in League Four. League Four is available, by the way. Sign up for League Four. It's now open. We were only thought we we're going to do three leagues, but a couple people signed up for four. So I talked to Derek and we said, hey, let's go for it. So sign up for League Four. It's fifty rounds, fifty dollars. No in season management besides setting your lineup. The link is in our Twitter bio at the top of our page at Palazzo podcast two l's two z's of course give me two so let's get into leading off and talk about the baseball pods tournament all right chris week one's in the books this is the second annual baseball pods fantasy baseball bracket the best of the best uh the uniques the fresh the unknowns. There's so many different types of podcasts in this bracket. How do you feel after round one is completed? Share your thoughts openly and honestly with us because you're the man who makes it all happen. You know, it's interesting. I, I feel generally very positive. Um, uh, I, so for people that don't know, I launched this, you know, my, uh, my Twitter account launched in February of last year. Um, and the uh, podcast tournament happened in March of last year. And uh, last year, I really did not anticipate it would be anything that I thought it would be something like 10 or 20 people voted in and be like a fun little thing or whatever. And, you know, by the end of it, we had 70,000 total votes and the nation of Canada was involved and there were accusations of like Chinese uh, infiltration and um, people were shaped, crazy people, crazy people were shaving their heads and um, there were songs being sung and uh, you know, it was, it was fun. And what it really made me realize, it just reinforced my belief that the fact that this community, while certainly way too dominated by like white male culture is, is very inclusive in general and is very receptive to outsiders and does want to welcome and support other people. And so I think that that was, um, it was just really wonderful last year to while we're in the middle of this terrible pandemic hitting our our country our, our our globe to connect with each other in this weird random stupid way about something that means less than nothing right when you're looking at what really matters in life yeah. so I, I just i loved that and um and this year i knew it was going to be i'm not an idiot i knew it was going to be a little more high profile i realized that after last year i realized it was actually scratching a little bit of an itch i mean I think there are really good fantasy podcast awards that are out there. I also know that a lot of the people that make podcasts aren't even eligible for those awards because they're not part of that uh, network. So I was like, you know, this is kind of like the people's opportunity to just get involved and mix it up. And uh, we we had a wonderful first couple, first round where at around twenty four thousand votes total, um, and uh, and most of it has been really really positive. Um, I, I do think some people have kind of gotten their feelings hurt a little bit by whether, whether it was a seating that was a little too low or, hey, you're bringing people in that aren't really part of our fantasy community and they're just voting for you. It's a popularity contest. I mean, it's a Twitter poll. There's nothing I can do to control that. 
And there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I should really restrict that. I should really like, okay, you only get to vote if you're this. But that's kind of, I think, against the spirit of inclusivity. I also think the primary reason I do this tournament is not to like pick a podcast. It's to shine the light on independent yes. podcasts like yours. And like, I'll be honest with you. All right, so yeah, maybe 20 people voted for, 20 to one is the number of people that vote versus that listen. But hell, I'll t- if I was an independent podcaster, I'd take 21. And like, there are these like, and we expanded it to an extra play-in round. So we got to 72 pods this year. And people think, oh my God, how are there 72 baseball, fantasy baseball pods? There's actually a lot more. Like <laughs> next year, next year, I'll, it'll, it will absolutely be in triple digits without a question. And so it's like, you know, there's a part of it that's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't love the popularity contest aspect of it. But the real point is for people to listen to you. So if 20 people vote for a pod for every person that listens to it, and I'm like starting off and I'm like have six listeners, that's absolutely added value for me. Like that actually might put me on the map. Like maybe 10 people listen to me that are, you know, part of the FSWA and they're like, hey, you should join us. Or maybe you know, people listen like you guys are like, Hey, sure. I'll, you're, you did a good job on the pod. And then they have you on and you help elevate their platform. And so for me, that's what this is about. It's about elevating the platforms of pods, especially independent ones that don't have major networks like ESPN or Fangraphs or the athletic or others pods like you guys. And like giving them like a, uh, like putting them out there so that people actually are listening to them. And you know, shout out to the people who are actually. And I will. I will give a very special shout. Yes, tears for fears. Let's do this. So, like, so let's shout out. Like last year, I would say the person who led this crusade more than anyone else is Matt Williams. And I'm not just saying that because you're wearing a Roto Fanatic T-shirt and I'm being on brand. Because by the way, now he's all like big time at NBC Sports Edge. And I mean, yeah, we kind of yeah, he have to. It. We should really, you know, we have to tap Matt's like. He's in Tout Wars too. We, yeah, oh God, I mean, he's going to become impossible to deal with pretty soon. I mean, <laughs> the A Rod of fantasy baseball right now, <laughs> you know, looking at himself in the mirror very closely and pursing his lips with his backwards-facing Mets hat. I mean, it's it's really getting disgusting if we're being honest about it. Um, but Matt, like Matt, last year he really did do a great job. He said, "You know what? I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to every one of these, listen yep. to all of them." And some of them are going to be good that I like, and some of them I'm not going to care for. But I'm going to add some new pods to my list. And I'm pretty sure that's the way he discovered you guys, two L's, two Z's. And um, and and that's going to happen. That happens a dozen times over. And while I get that some people are getting salty or getting their feelings hurt about like people bringing in all their friends or whatever to vote and it's not fair, this and that, it's like that's not the point. The point is – the fantasy gospel has got more listeners now than they did two weeks ago. The point is, like, you guys have way more listeners than you did a year ago. That's that's the point. The point is that there are people out here doing this out of passion. And, like, if I just, like, said, hey, apply to be in the tournament and, like, fill out this Google form. And we may do some of that next year because there are so many of them now. But it's just, like, I think we're setting up barriers and as a, as a community that's trying to be more inclusive, I want to make it like barrier free. And I don't know if you could just heard the, uh, the horns, the, the horn that just went off in my headphones. Cause it's, it's like it, my fan tracks, my TGFBI mock draft is up. And by the way, I just had the horn go off in my background. That's like the version of uh, passing gas on a podcast is when you're, 
when your fan tracks horn goes off in your draft, but it just went off in my ear. So if you it's guys like, got it, I apologize. Chris, it's been like the last two or three pods that like that's happened with me because we were doing the Palazzo one and then we're also doing a mock draft for Roto Fanatics. So it was just constantly like, oh, bum, bum. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm in my, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, like you, Mike, out of my TGFBI uh, 15 slot. I'm not sure what it is, but. Uh, oh, we're sharing the 15. Great. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it right now. I'm trying to Deary, figure out what, what to uh, do. slot did you get, by the way? I got 10. It was my second uh, preferred spot. Okay. 10. I don't know why I put that as my second preferred spot. We were talking about it on the pod the other day. We we're like, oh, we got to get our KDS in for. Uh, for the TGFBI because it's coming up and they're gonna uh, basically announce picks. What was that today or yesterday? They announced it, and yeah, so I'm like, I'm yesterday. like, All I'm moving them around really quick, and I save it, and then like, I, I'm like, oh, I got ten. I'm like, I look back, I'm like, oh, that was my second preference. I don't even know why ten was my second preference. I got my, I got fifteen, and that was my tenth preference. But okay, uh, that's fine. So anyway, sorry to get you off track there. I just, I wasn't sure if that. How dare you? If that if that if the horn interrupted my uh, soliloquy again, I didn't chaos. hear anything. You keep thinking we're hearing things, but I'm not hearing <laughs> things. Um, my computer is apparently much more advanced than my ears. It's beyond yours. So look, yes, it's about helping other pods. I actually thought when I first found your Twitter handle last year, and I think I told you this. I thought you were like this teenage kid, maybe like 19 years old, <laughs> 20 years old. I'm like, in my what? dream, cool. right. this, in my dream, this kids, this kids really? put together all these baseball pods. What a great, what a cool idea. guy. Oh, what a smart kid. This kid's going places. That's really what I thought in my it's so funny how you think of people before you ever meet them or get to know them. And that's well, you, what I imagined. Yancey, Yancey recently, he just I was just on Potapalooza and Yancey was like, it's so weird to see Chris's face because I see him as like this pair of floating, floating headphones. And you know, I mean, and I told I was on the TGFBI pod last week with Justin, and I told him, like, you know, I'm an old I from from I'm on the older side in my 40s of like people in the fantasy game right now especially in the podcasting game. And uh, I got my start in the late 90s with Laura Michaels, rest in peace. Like uh, in Govier, I, I think I've tweeted this or written this or said this, but like you are the modern day version of Laura in, in the best way possible in the sense that you have questionable musical abilities, but 100% um, are all in on music and like aligning it <laughs> with, uh, with, with, with fantasy baseball in a way that almost no one else can do. And you also, I think, have this wonderful – uh curiosity and are not fit you're you're not scared to look silly and i think that so many people so, no no it's 100 percent true like laura is like laura was like the goofiest guy on god's green earth and uh and you know now people like talk about him in revered tones but he was mocked universally not universally but roundly when he was younger and it was something he and i talked about um just because he he was really brilliant but he wasn't he didn't take himself seriously. He was yeah. like, you know what? I'm here. I'm playing a silly game about a silly game. And uh, and I'm here to have fun and be and just promote other people and welcome anyone who wants to be part of this community and build each other and build each other up. And you know, his whole thing was Zen, you know, Zen and the art of fantasy oh. baseball, right? I mean, that's Law yeah. Michaels. And and I and you know, so I wrote for him um, on the daily for many years in the late 90s, and it also that opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of writing for all the, if you read a national baseball or football magazine in the early two thousands, I was probably writing in it. And that, that was very much due to lore. And I uh, read something of yours and that. never have known it. I mean, it's What's that? Possible. I have read something of yours and I would oh, never have known it back then. But yeah, absolutely. But that's fine. I mean, that's good. It's, it is what it is. The point, and he died, being, he died before his time. If those people don't oh, know, he died God. a couple years ago, right? And he was absolutely. Young. It was, 
it was really tough. And he, the thing about lore, and I won't, I won't spill too much of his baggage out here because I don't think it's my place, but if there was anybody who had a reason to look at life in a cynical fashion based on what happened to him personally, it was Lauren Michaels. And he chose the opposite. He chose life is the tragedies that he endured is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. And he took it all in stride and, and found the beauty in life in a way that I think we should all aspire to. And, and, and that's why I say like, when I compare you to him, it's, it's not faint praise, man. I mean, that's like about as, about as, about as high a praise as I can give to an individual. Well, I don't take it lightly. I, like I said, I've heard you talk about him and we've talked about him in chats privately ourselves. And that's uh, I wish I would have got a chance to know him. That's just a damn shame. But the fact that his legacy lives on like that and you care, you're, you know, you're saying you don't want to share all of his baggage, but you're like carrying him on now. Cause yeah. the people that pass on, like, you know, I've had friends I've lost at 21. It's awful. And yeah. we're the people that carry on their, uh, every, all their idiosyncrasies and everything about them. And if we don't think about them or talk about them, we don't necessarily have to talk about them in public, but we need to make sure that we continue to discuss them because we lose them. They will yeah. fade away. If you don't, it's like anything. It is kind of like anything else. If you don't stay with it, like a foreign language, you lose it and it's gone. You're like, yeah. God, I used to speak fluent Spanish. Ooh, it's all gone now. So, yep. And and, and shout out to Todd Zola. Oh, Todd. Shout. I was waiting for it. See, That's Masters cool. Ball. You're good. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm a pro right there. You get that so, buffer, so, that two second buffer. Nice sorry show. about that. Sorry about that. No, it's and, good. Uh, and also to Justin Mason, who are two of the people. That also carry on Laura's legacy in, in major ways. Todd Todd runs Creative Sports 2.0. Creative Sports was Laura's original website. And Creative Sports was originally created to give people an opportunity to get their voice out there, to sharpen their fantasy analysis, and they give feedback. And Todd is one of those who gives back to the community. In that. He still does that, yeah. And anybody who wants to come out, if you, anybody, and it's on the baseball dash pod. Like if you go to baseball-pods.com, there's a link there to, hey, you want to give any money? You think I write anything worth value? Go give money to Creative Sports 2.0 because Todd does a really good job of giving people an opportunity to give voices. And Todd will give you feedback. Like he will he will tell you, hey, man, this is good or this is not good. And he will give it to you. And that's really valuable. That's great. Thank you. I think that really kind of gives us the fuel to say, shut up. If you're complaining about the baseball pods, Turney, I mean, you're, you have the right to do that, but don't miss the essence of what it's about. Like I said, Kev uh, Massurgeon's name the other day. I, I screwed it up. I actually said it kind of right, and then I kept screwing it up. He's from the operating room, which is a 16-seed pod. At Rotosurgeon. At Rotosurgeon, that's right, which sounds like his last name, Massurgeon. So please, uh, please check out pods like that. I listened to it. I hadn't listened to it, even though I'd been connecting with him on Twitter here and there because life happens. We're all busy. And I was like, wow, this guy's got good energy. And this guy will not be a 16 seed next year. It's already clear. If he sticks with it and does it all year long and grows through a whole 2021 season, he's going to be moving on up next year. And that is why the tournament has value. It's not about being the number one seed. And it's not about saying, well, I should be here or there. Even <laughs> I admit, I, I admitted, I was like, wait, well, we're a seven seed. I initially had some reactions where I'm like, wait, 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 this is not what this is about, <laughs> but I'm only human. And it happens for a moment. And then you're like, yeah. fuck that. I'm going to get over myself well, pe- and realize take, the bigger picture at play here. But people take pride. And I think that's one of the lessons sure. that I learned this year. And I think that's fair, like totally fair. Right. And so like, I'm not sitting here saying if you weren't, if you weren't happy with your seed, you're a schlub. I'm sitting here saying like, not really the point. And 
I got to figure out a way. We're always trying to all get better. So like what I'm thinking about next year is, and whether it's doing something with Google Forms or not, but like doing something where the community really chips in and helps the seating. So like, cause last year the seating was just kind of like my general thinking. This year I brought in like the mayor of fantasy baseball, Yancey Eaton, and he helped me really with some seating and, and change some things around for sure. He had his voice, but like now I'm thinking more like, how can I do it so that we pick some pods and then different people can help see the thing that I don't want to do is turn it into this like closed door, you know, circle, whatever. You don't like want to people. become the villain of it, Chris. Yeah. Well, whatever. And then you're going to really... stop showing your face on pods. You're just gonna wear, you're just <laughs> never, man, never, never. <laughs> I'm all good with it. Like people, people I, and I think most, because look, we've, we, I think this is a small community and people do a really good job. Everyone knows what it's about. Some people just get caught up in the moment. So like, and at the same time, I don't want to insult anyone or make anyone feel bad at all. This is all. No, it's okay. We're all human beings here. So, yeah. And, you know, we're not on a perfection quest. Flawlessness does not exist. So it's okay. And you understand as well as anybody. Me and Deary understand that on this show. You know, we make fun of ourselves. We make fun of <laughs> anything that could be made fun of when it comes to ourselves. And we're totally down with that. So just remember. You know, have pride, take yourself seriously, but not too seriously where you lose your way. That would be my best advice. And at any rate, check out the pods that didn't win or the pods that you never heard of, even though round one is in the can and we're moving out of round two starting on Monday. Just go in there. Take a look. If you, I know we're all busy and there's so many goddamn pods. I know there's a lot of podcasts, right, Deary? I mean, how could we find the time to listen to all of them? But if you get one or two in, that's a win, right? No, absolutely. I got a ton of time this week. I'm going to go back and check out those that did not make it. And those that are still around that I haven't listened to. But I mean, you know, I get joy out of listening to pods that came out like three, four months ago, just to kind of get some some tips on what we could do better in our pod. And there's so many damn players in Major League Baseball. You, you know, let me listen to this pod. I haven't heard about Juan Soto yet. Let me listen to this pod. I haven't heard about, you know, Reese Hoskins. So uh, it's great yeah. to jump back and, and listen to some older older pods. And we're going head-to-head with Bubba and Batflip Crazy. I mean, we have no chance to win. They are <laughs> not just because they're a two-seed, but because of who they're they are. They're really damn good. Yeah, because they, they're also combining forces, it's, and they do a pod together. So it's not like they're cheating. I'm not making any accusations here. <laughs> we had them on the show of, you know, about 10 days ago or so. They yeah. were just on. And Batflip Crazy told me about Phil Matone, who I actually drafted in one of my last picks on my last DC of the Palazzo Invitational, which is League One is done. Me and Deary, we finished. And that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. It took forever. But uh, I actually got a little bummed out because I accidentally auto-picked like two of my last like four rounds. I'm like, oh, man, I really wanted to pick in round 47. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's but it, you know, it was a lot of fun. What it, it, it lasted, what, about five, five, six days? Yeah, maybe a week at most. You know, slow drafts are like that. It's a two-hour clock. Uh, League two is wrapping up, getting close to the end, and League three is underway. Shout out to my guy, Joel. He's in his first ever NFBC. He's never done it. I've had four or five people who have never, never played NFBC ever sign up for this Palazzo Invitational. So you're welcome, NFBC, getting some new blood in here, trying something different. But, yes, Bubba and Batflip, if you guys kick our ass next week, that's cool. People know who you are, and I. Did you totally did you did you listen to the? I don't know if you had a chance to listen to. I was on with Justin last week on the. TV I did. FBI I listened and, to it. Yeah. And Justin, you know Justin Mason, you know he's a bit of a he's a bit of a I don't know, a bit of a questionable character. 
Let's just put it best. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, he'd be he, the first uh, to say that. Yeah, he uh, he he basically. So Bubba and Batflip decided last year they were separate entries. They do most ninety percent of their pods are together. They do some individual solo pods or pods with guests, and um, and he basically accused them of uh, trying to manipulate the tournament. Um, by uniting forces and and it was actually interesting like from a strategic perspective it's very machiavellian i mean like you first of all you unite your 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 fan bases together second yes. of all you go out there and you say you know what chris we don't want to come in as two separate tournaments we want another little guy to get in so like just put us together so that a little guy can get in and so then you get the you get like the nice guy vote on top of it um, you know, so I, I don't know. He just, Justin had some interesting points he made last week. He, made, he did. Uh, you know, a very interesting manipulation by, by Bubba and Toby. He also stole my pick. I picked triple play before he did. It's on the record. You can go check <laughs> Zach's podcast, the Draft Champions podcast, on the Saturday I before you guys it. recorded. I said it. So time stamped. And clear. If Triple Play wins it all, that's me, not you, Mason. And by the way, if you can listen to this podcast, it'll come out over the weekend. Potapalooza will be happening when this podcast is live. So go donate to Potapalooza. Justin's Twitter feed at Justin Mason, friends with fantasy benefits, and contribute if you can in any way. It goes to mental health, and we do care about mental health on the show, Absolutely. as most people should, hopefully. But we want to make that a priority. So. I'm a big fan of mental health. So I, I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, we all should be. So uh, Absolutely. And, uh, any uh, final thoughts? Anything uh, for round two expectations? Uh, no, I mean, I don't. Possible... I, think the... I know I, you I... don't make any selections because you create the thing, so you're not going to be like, I think this thing's going to happen. But the uh, the selection committee remains objective in its much uh, more so than the college football playoff committee does. Absolutely. Yes, I would definitely say that. Just, but is there a pod to... you'd like to highlight or something? Like, hey, you know, this is something you I know, found that I enjoy. You know, I will say, I will say this, um, and I don't even know if this is about the second round or not. I'm not even sure it is, but. So I do think, um, listen to the pods. That's my main thing. Listen to the pods. Listen to the pods. Listen to the pods. And yeah, vote. Like, vote for whatever you want. I hope people continue, like, the, the back and forth, the dialogue it creates, it just continues to build our community. The way I look at it, I'm just trying to add a little bit to this amazing community. Communities that, that drafts together, that tweets together, that gets together at various events over the course of the year. I'm just trying to enhance that. That's all this is about, 100% full stop. Um one of the pods that uh, is from a major site, actually, but I don't think like a lot of people listen to, which has long been one of my favorites, is the Tino podcast. So Tino, meaning there is no offseason. It's kind of the OG of Dynasty Baseball podcasts. And I, Dynasty holds a special place in my heart. I love it. I think there's not enough coverage of it. Um, and my favorite thing about it is, so the, if you want to follow uh, the host of it, it's at Ghost Runner on 2B and at Hoodie and Tie. Great, great Twitter handles, uh, by the way. And um, they, I, I just love it because it's not just about Dynasty Baseball. I, I, I'm not sure how to describe it. It may be about empty existentialism as well. Um, there's just a lot of real wonderful, like philosophical talk on the pod. And it's and just like you guys do an amazing job bringing personality to your pod. I like it's a different, per, totally different personality, but it's also almost as personality heavy as you guys are. Like when people think of personality, like, oh, my God, you know, it's like, wah, wah, wah. you know, personality can also be like the driest humor. 
Um, I think the way I described it is it's like a Wes Anderson film on, uh, but a baseball fantasy baseball <laughs> dynasty. Wow, podcast. so I'm into it's, it. It's like it's like that kind of a uh, that kind of humor. So they're 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 on the baseball prospectus network. So you'd think they'd have this huge um, platform, and they're good. They're they do, I'm sure. But uh, um, I don't think a lot of people listen to them in our community, and I think they're one of the better, funnier listens. And then the other one that's not a fantasy pod, uh, and I don't think Kevin's going to have any issue getting people to listen to him because he's a freaking legend. Uh, not many people in the baseball podcast world have worked in major league front offices. But Kevin Goldstein is back. And um, for those of you who don't know, Kevin Goldstein and Jason Parks had what I would argue is the best podcast of any format of all time. And they it was a prospect pod called God, I believe it's called Up and In, right? And it was on the Baseball Prospectus Network. And um, they talked as much about beer and fedoras and uh, terrible parts of the world as they did about baseball prospects. But their knowledge is unparalleled. And Jason eventually went to work for the Chicago Cubs. He's now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kevin eventually became, I think, the vice president, one of the vice presidents uh, of the Houston Astros. And now he's not with the Astros. And so... Um, a lot of interesting things, reasons to listen to Kevin. And uh, I just think they're um, – he, so Kevin's got this new pod on Fangraphs. It's called Chin Music, and uh, he's doing it weekly. And uh, he's been very upfront. Eventually, it's probably going to be, be – some of it's going to be behind some kind of paywall, but some of it's going to be open. But Kevin has lived the life uh, that most of us dream of, of working in a, fan, in a, in a baseball front office. And, um, and he's also one of the wittiest and funniest and kindest – people i've heard um so uh and also just a biting acerbic tongue which uh, i very much respect so those are two two podcasts one fantasy baseball one not fantasy baseball where i would recommend you guys take a listen if you have it there it is man that is all i need to hear and i just added it to my queue of podcasts myself so i will be checking out I couldn't find the chin music one. I heard you talk about it on uh, Justice Pod, I believe, but I couldn't find it. It was really hard it's to not, find. They need to do a better job of making it more accessible, it, I would say. But Yeah, I think it's brand new and they're having Because there's a bunch of chin musics too. So it's like been, <laughs> unfortunately, no, like old ones that aren't even in existence. That yeah. Logged another, another, another pod to take a listen to that is very much fantasy focused and uh, I think is on, the coming, is, is on the up and up is the fantasy gospel. Oh, okay. That's a good call. Good call. Man, there's so much content. And I feel bad because I've been so busy recently. Me and Deary have been grinding so many podcasts in this preseason time. I haven't had enough time to give to other pods. But I will. I will get there, people. So don't think I've been uh, avoiding any of you. If you think, hey, I would like to hear about my podcast being talked about. I will I will catch up. And I love connecting with other people. And we'll hopefully get some more guests from these types of pods as well. Because we, we like to get everybody on. You know, we've had... We've had you on. We've had we're gonna have Jeff Erickson on on Monday. I mean, that's almost as big as it gets in this that's realm. His, I mean, he's he's the dude, man. I mean, like he's yeah. he's the guy. Like yeah, I mean, he's on ESPN and shit. He, I mean, he's he's the, the George Clooney of fantasy baseball <laughs> podcasts. Let's be clear. I mean, like that's, exactly. that's that's who Jeff is. I mean, yeah. So it's a pleasure to have him. But we also give time to you know Janice Scirio and other people. So it yeah. doesn't matter how big or small you are. I don't care who you are. We just want to get to know you and give everybody time. So. I'd, Thank I'd you, Chris. Also tell, also, sorry, I'd also tell you to take a look at, uh, I think it's Dynasty, at Dynasty One Stop. I don't have to look it up yeah. on Twitter right now. Everybody so, goes to him to set up deep Dynasty Leagues. Really so, valuable. 
that's what I was going to say. He's got a, first of all, he's got a podcast you should listen to. But second of all, like he's a guy who, uh, who just loves the community and he's not getting rich off of being a dynasty commissioner. He does like the job that none of us want to do in our fantasy leagues. <laughs> and, and I'm in a, I'm in one of his leagues that is 30 teams uh, deep. So it's like a super deep league and it requires a ridiculous amount of, uh, of, of you know, attention for a commissioner and uh, he's phenomenal. So just another example of a guy who um, does it out of mostly out of love and really is providing a service to the community that not a lot of people are. And he also looks just like uh, what's the Tarantino movie about the Nazis? Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards. The the actor that plays like the really bad guy that goes into that house in the beginning, he looks it's spitting image. Christoph spitting. Waltz. Thank you. He is a I'm not sure he's not Christoph Waltz, to be honest. <laughs> like there's a part of me because Christoph Waltz is a Renaissance man. And there's a part of me that thinks that part of his like you know, ability to plug into multiple parts of our society with like just a complete aplomb is I think he, I think it, he actually might be Christoph Waltz just <laughs> for fantasy baseball. Who knew Christoph Waltz was into the fantasy baseball? Well, man, that is, that is a great call. Dynasty One Stop helped a guy out that was looking to start his own dynasty league. And we just got him sent right over there and took care of everything. So good call. Well done. We appreciate everybody who's promoted us, got us to second round. We are in the second round. So, yes, you know, if we beat Bubba and Toby, then cool, great. But if we don't, hey, hopefully uh, people will find out who we are. Because even though I wasn't overly promoting our pod in this tournament, we are very still small time. We're not some big time, you know, studs. You know, we've had some run recently. We've worked really hard recently, but we're not even close to being on the level of some of these other podcasts. So continue to support us. Don't even hear this now. Please support us in round two. We would welcome your support. We don't want to not win. We would love to upset one of the best tag teams in fantasy baseball. All right. That's fun. Don't forget, we're part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. It's always a good time. Go to rotofanatic.com, play with that cute and cuddly data monster, and maybe, just maybe, get some information that will unlock your league and give you a victory in 2021. It's very possible. It could happen. All right. Now it's time for the silly part of the show if it hasn't been silly enough it's been very serious let's have chris back into the studio this is the second time he's been on the show so he's done what we used to call inside palazzo studio which was very unoriginal but now it's called <laughs> i thought it was called like wasn't it called like the spanish inquisition at one point no it was called inside palazzo studio which is a tribute to james lipton but then it's called and it has been called now Enrico's Inquisition, not the Spanish Inquisition. Enrico sounds kind of Spanish, I'm just saying. Yeah, shit, it does, yeah. Well, hey, what can I tell you? (laughs) We got to change the name again, Mike. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Here we go. Time to play the silly sounder. Would you prefer to deal with a manipulative person or a callous person? Wow, this is deep. Deep into my psyche. Alan Trammell or Lou Whitaker? Oh, I knew you were going to hit me with that. The 1988 Dodgers or the 2020 Dodgers? Oh, the 1988, by far. It was the happiest moment like of my sports life. That was my first gut moment. Oh, oh Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. 
Rico's Inquisition. <laughs> so cool to get Roto Guts first gut moment on tape. I love that. Very yeah. cool. Thank you. Now, now, by the way, great, great, great promo there. And uh, Kurt Gibson's home run, although I hate the Dodgers, made, that was when I understood the magic of baseball. I think it was for a lot of us. I was, oh man, that was, I literally wrote about it for like a creative, like a writing class. Like I, and I still have it <laughs> typed out. It's freaking great. That, the chugging around second where he like pulls his elbow in a couple of times. It's like, you know, I remember, you know, you're listening to Scully and he's in the dugout, like taking the swings He's swinging off of one leg, and you're just oh god, that was magic. And that's why you can't make. It's so hard to make great baseball movies because the truth is better than fiction. I wrote a paper about it in college. I, I wrote a paper <laughs> in high school. It is. Man. It is it's my. Great. It is my favorite baseball moment of my lifetime. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. I think I had just turned eight years old. Sitting in my front room with all my baseball cards yep. spread out, watching the game by myself, and I get emotional to this day watching replays of it. I'm, I'm with you, man. And my wife's a Giants fan, which makes me a Giants fan. The second, my second favorite team. So I'm really not even allowed to. Were you question? So like you say, like we're when you say you're you guys are Detroit guys. So he was a Detroit guy before that. Is part of it because you're a Detroit guy, or is it was it were you not even really aware of that because you were so young? Well, it has to play a part in it for me, because, yeah, he was a Detroit guy, too. But it's also incredibly magical on its own. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was just wondering, because for me... But, yeah, uh, it's, he it's just weird. left. That was his first year since he had left. It's weird to me that it feels so... Like, it's such an emotional moment for me. And I was like, and I have, like, no connection to him. Like, none, like, whatsoever. Like, I was just yeah. like... That was a magical Dodgers team. You had Hershiser did the, uh, was it, 56 and 2 thirds or something like that, scoreless innings. And there was a lot of crazy stuff. But the A's just seemed unbeatable, man. It was Canseco and McGuire. Dodgers offense was horrible, Eckersley. too. Still... Oh, it was terrible. It was like Mike Davis and like Mike Marshall. <laughs> and, you know, yep. come on. Oh, it was ugly. And he's sitting there and he's swinging off one leg. Oh, my God. I get chills right now. Just well, it's like Gibson was MVP that year, and his he was. his statistics don't really blow anyone out of the water. I think he was like two. He had like two eighty five, had like 25, 26 home runs, twenty some odd stolen bases, like ninety RBIs. Yeah, it was really low, low stats for an MVP. But that's it, actually an interesting point, Chris. I wonder since we did grow up. I mean, we were four when the Tigers won the World Series in '84, and. They went to the playoffs the previous year in 87, and then Gibby left and went to the Dodgers in 88. So I wonder how much of a difference it would have in our lives. Probably not too much because it's just so historic on its own. But Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I kind of started watching baseball when I was maybe five, six years old sporadically. And then that season of like 88, I truly remember. And like, I knew who Kirk Gibson was. I knew that he had been with the Tigers for six, seven years before he left, but also he ended up coming back to the Tigers at the twilight of his career. And obviously I remember those final one or two years he was with the Tigers so much more. And, you know, and now he's in the play-by-play booth. So he's always kind of been a Detroiter, uh, but I think yeah. I think even without that Detroit connection, I think I would still have such an emotional bond to that moment in the '88 series. I just I love it's one of the reasons I love baseball. That's why I asked the question. the The emotional connection that you can have, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it's very over romanticized in some ways, but the, rom- the romance works on me. 
I mean, I'm a sucker for it. I mean, I still remember, um, I mean, that when I really fell in love with the magic of baseball and like how amazing it was, was actually two years, like 88 was like, okay, this is going to be something I care about for the rest of my life. 86 was where I really got sucked into how amazing it can be. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Yankees fan. I'm from New York originally and, and, uh, and have loved the team. But 86, um, I really didn't even under, like my favorite player was Wade Boggs. So I, just, I, I was 12 years old. I did not understand baseball rivalry. Yeah, I don't know, like my favorite player should not have been a member of the Red Sox. But uh, I did grow up in a sports household, so some of this was kind of lost on me. And I just loved baseball and playing it and following it. And uh, part of this is because my grandmother at the time, um, she came to town to visit us. And um, we, and I told Justin the story too, although I don't think it was on the pod. We went, she loved, she smoked um, Pall Malls um, or more 100s, uh, depending on. And so she was, she smoked like crazy. So she came down to visit us from New York and couldn't smoke where we live. So she wanted to go out to a bar so she could smoke and drink her Manhattans. And so we went out to a, my mom sent me with her to make sure she was okay and safe. And we went to a, a hotel and it was the first big screen TV I'd ever seen in my life. And it was game six of the National League Championship Series. And if you remember game six of the National League Championship Series, you remember it's one of the great playoff games of all time. And it went into, I think it was 16 innings. And I didn't really understand the concept of extra innings. All I knew was I was watching baseball on the biggest TV I had ever conceived, imagined, more. And I was eating as much trail mix as I wanted and pounding Shirley Temples. And in, in the lobby of this hotel, while my grandmother was behind me in a bar drinking Manhattans and smoking her balls. And so um, I just remember like, okay, the game was going to be over in the ninth, but then it wasn't over. And then it wasn't over in the 10th and the 11th and the 12th. And so I have no idea what the over-under is on the number of Shirley Temples and bowls of trail mix that I ate. <laughs> But it was a pretty high number. And uh, I just, you know, I remember like the Holy Toledo call with Billy Hatcher's home run. And it was just, it was this beautiful, amazing magic of baseball. The fact that it can go on forever is, I think, just think one of the most beautiful things about the sport that is unparalleled in almost any other sport. And that's when I really was like, I love this game, you know, because of Shirley Temple's intro mix. <laughs> Mmm, boy, I do love a good Shirley Temple when I was younger. Gotta have a cherry in there, too. Throw a cherry oh, in there. Oh, absolutely. Or else it just ain't the same. All right, well, last time Chris was on the show, that was last year. It was July 29th, and the season had just started. And I had okay. just moved into this house, like, ten days before that. So, God, it all seems like a blur to me back then. But the season started on the 23rd, so we were about a week into 2020, which... I don't know if you guys have heard, but, you know, it was a shorter season, and it was a sample size that is questionable in terms of, hey, how can we really understand what we saw? But I digress. We asked him about toilet paper and headphones and all kinds of silly things, so he knows how this goes. This time, we're going to ask him about uh, old Yankee Stadium or new Yankee Stadium. I think it's a fair question. (laughs) It is not a fair question. Yes, it is. I don't think it is. So, all right, so... uh, with I, new I, comes better amenities, so it's not like it's just absurd. It's it's uh it's absurd. Um, I don't blame you. You're not you know, so the the old Yankee Stadium um, had a sound that I've never heard in any other place in my life. A sound. A sound. A roar. A primal. Like a, a primal vibration. It had a lot of subwoofer in it, or it was. Oh my god! So 
you know, like I said, my wife grew up as a huge baseball fan in San Francisco, went to a lot of games at Candlestick and Pac Bell and Pac Stadiums, Loud Noises, whatever. She moved to New York City after I was there in the late 90s. And we went to a regular season Texas Rangers game. Now, this is a good Rangers team. This is the Juan Gonzalez team. But, like, it was like the middle of the third inning with an out. It, like, the Yankees hit a double. And the sound, she literally turned to me as if she had just seen a dinosaur or something like that. <laughs> it was like, it was, she was like, now I understand. There is nothing else, and the new Yankee Stadium pales in comparison, unfortunately. You were on top of the action in Yankee Stadium. There was something about the acoustics. Uh, I think it's Kavitha Davidson. Um, if you follow her on Twitter, great follow. She was talking about it recently. That roar, shout, yeah. That roar was something you just won't hear. You won't hear it in the new Yankee Stadium. So that's my first thing. Now, I'm also going to put out my bias. I taught high school, I coached high school baseball when I was a teacher. Three, My school was three blocks from Yankee Stadium, and we played on McCombs Park. McCombs Park is where they built the new Yankee Stadium on top of it. And it was a wonderful oh, park in the South Bronx. Man. So I hate George Steinbrenner and Steinbrenner family for that, even though I respect them very much in general. The new Yankee Stadium is like a concrete mausoleum. It feels more like a place where people go to die than like a baseball game. <laughs> the old Yankee Stadium, when you when you when they won and you were singing New York, New York, walking down the ramps after the game oh, in fifty thousand people. Couldn't think of anything. I'll never forget it. And the thing that's crazy <laughs> about the acoustics there, I don't know if they, they still try to do it, but it doesn't work as well. The right field bleachers used to be a few bucks to go there. When I was there it was the late nineties, it was like eight, ten bucks. You go to the right the bleacher creatures out there and it was definitely not a PC crowd. And I'm sure uh they said some things that were extraordinarily offensive. However, one of the greatest things about that crowd is that before the beginning of every game, and actually as the action starts, they would call out, they do a roll call, which for every player in the stadium, and every you're sitting there, and every player in the stadium, while they're playing, will turn and wave to the right field bleachers. So you get this pop, 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 Joe Girardi, and they go around the whole lineup. And so sometimes by the time the roll call is over, you're two outs in the inning and Jeter's turning around and waving to you because he couldn't turn around because he was just fielding a ground ball. So he couldn't do it. But they don't stop. They don't stop. They just kept on going and going and going. And you could hear it throughout the entire stadium. And that magic is what's missing from the new stadium. For me, it's much more corporate. It's much more uh, of a mausoleum. If you get seats on the first level, you're fine. If you go out and sit in the outfield, you might as well. I'd, ra- I'd rather be in a bar than sitting in the, in the center field bleachers. It's just, you know, it's terrible. So uh, old Yankee Stadium by far, it's not even close. It was the best place to watch. Ball. I have watched probably ball games in about 30 major league stadiums total. Wow. Not all of them because some of those are old and new. But it's by far the best place I've ever seen. That's impressive. I went to Old Yankee Stadium the last year before it went bye-bye. So I got to be you there did? and check it out. Good for I you, did. man. 2008, right? I was also there for the last ever game with some of my best friends. Oh, and, I'm sure you uh, were. It was, yeah, that was uh, a hot ticket. It was emotional. Sure. It was a very emotional game. Very, very emotional. I was yeah, I there. I was New Yankee Stadium. I was there for opening day against the Tigers. I want to say 2010. It was, I think, two years after the new stadium had been built. Well, I, I never went to the old stadium. My wife had been there a handful of times because she's from New York, but I had never been. And Mike, you've been. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I went summer of 2008 when I went to visit Luke and Ah, there it uh, is. I did Shea I did Shay and Yankee, old Yankee cuz Shay was going away with City Field coming in the following year, I think, 2009. And Yankee New Yankee Stadium started in 10, is that right? Is that how you remember? Sounds about right. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it was cool. I love Shea Stadium more than Yankee Stadium, personally. I don't know why. It just reminded me of... It, you know why? It kind of reminded me of Tiger Stadium, in a sense. There was some similarities that's, there. That's one of the, my greatest... One of my greatest, like, state, like greatest regrets is not making it to that old Tiger Stadium. And, like, that second level, oh, I loved it. Like, And there were a lot There's of nothing similarities. nothing like it. <laughs> oh, man. I, don't, I love it. I love... It's my... If you ask me, that's my biggest regret of terms of stadiums I never made it to. Well, I went to the last game at Tiger Stadium, so I took care of that as well. Respect. That was a great day. Great times. Ah, uh, wow, yeah. I, I remember like Roger Clemens was like coming back again. You know, the, the constant is he or isn't he? And it was this big announcement. He pitched that day. That's what it was. I saw Roger Clemens pitching Yankee Stadium, and I hate Roger Clemens. So he's a piece. Not really because like he's a Yankee. Either. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's just yeah, a bad yeah. human being. I, I so, yeah. re- respect that take completely. Okay, good. We got it on the record. Uh, talking heads are the cure. Ooh, man. That is a really good question, man. Tough one. Um, Both great. I mean, it's not really fair to... I got to go with the cure, and part of that is because once when I was in seventh grade, I lied to my classmates about going to a the Cure concert when I hadn't <laughs> gone to it because they all went to it, and I felt bad that I couldn't get tickets. That so is I should such probably, an Wow, people do should, not admit to those types of things. Impressive. I should probably go with the Cure there. So uh, both great bands, can't go wrong. Uh, I'll go with the Cure. What are you, Deary? What would you pick? Oh, man, that's so tough. I mean, the Cure is still around. You can still see the Cure. I mean, one of the biggest regrets, I mean, obviously, when Talking Heads broke up, I was, what, nine, ten years old. You can still see David Burns do Talking Heads songs. That's true. That's true. David Byrne played in Ann Arbor at the Michigan Theater like two years ago, and I completely dropped the ball, and I really regret not He was at the Fox, too. He did a Fox show. Um, Oh, geez, this one's tough. (sighs) You can think about it if you want. I'd, I'd probably go with the Talking Heads, maybe just because they have less albums and kind of every one of them means a lot more to me than the four or five Cure albums that I absolutely love. But then there's also like 10 other Cure albums. So it would have been interesting to see if the Talking Heads stayed together, what would have happened with them. But I love both bands, Robert Smith, David Byrne, you know, the rest of the bands are amazing. But yeah, I think I'd go Talking Heads. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well said, well said. What's your, what's down- your opinion there, Mike? Oh, for me? Uh I was hoping I would get to skip this one. Uh, I have no idea. That is such a terrible, terrible decision to make because they're so valuable. So many elite 80 grade songs, if you will, Chris, from both bands. And I love them both as much equally, but maybe just slightly the cure. Just slightly. Yeah. Ever ever so slightly. So not exactly the same genre, but close enough. Where do you, where, if you, let, let me throw the violent femmes in there for you. Oh, that would be third for me, easy. Oh, really? It's, for me. I love I think, the Violent Fans, but... I, I think third. they might be third for me, too, but I think... I can't lie, they wouldn't be, because I think they're, the Violent Fans, Violent Fans album is in my pantheon for the greatest album of all time. It's oh, wow. uh, For me, it may be... It's, I don't know what the greatest album is, but if you said what's one of the greatest albums you've ever heard, it's absolutely, I, I have to include that in the conversation. Their best song, in my opinion, though, is not some of the radio hits. It's uh, and it, it's probably American music. I love American music. That's a great, a great song. song. Yeah, it's fair. I like that. I like prove my love. Yeah, that that's amazing. Uh, they were actually my first concert ever. Oh was wow! The, was the Violent Femmes? I went Royal Oak Music Theater with my brother when I was like 
maybe oh, 12 yeah, or, I, I was like 12 or 13. What was your favorite? What was it? So my I, my answer to this is going to be extraordinarily embarrassing. So Mike, what's 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 your first music concert ever? My first true concert was a uh, quite an elaborate thing. It was a punk rock show in 1995. Went to see Face to Face and Bouncing Souls, like two indie punks, uh, East Coast and a West Coast coming together. When uh, St. Andrews Hall, we even got a limo for it. It's so dumb. We went to a punk show in a limo with like 10 punkers <laughs> in a and limo. And you're all 15. Yeah, we're drinking. It's awful. We're like pissing in cups and throwing them out the windows. It was just absurd. So it was a pretty damn good first concert. I was going to say, that is like the greatest first concert story <laughs> I know, of all right? time. It's like, so we went, we didn't go to one punk band. We went to, we had like a battle of the East Coast and West Coast punk rock bands. We went there, we got drunk, and we were in a limo. Who the hell set up the limo for you guys? Seriously, that's crazy. I know. It was pure luck because our cousin was a limo driver, so he hooked us up. Ah, He gave us, he like did us a solid, and he regretted it because it was an awful experience for him. But you're right. It's a really, now that you're saying it, you're right. That was like, it truly was. My parents never took me to like a, you know, some bullshit concert or anything in the late 80s or the early 90s. That was my first concert, truly. It's like your life is all downhill from them. You were losing all credibility after that. Like the cool points that you get for that are and that's what, like almost untoppable. <laughs> that's why I always valued smaller concerts probably too. I never liked big time, like big, you know, Deary and I, I've seen Pearl Jam with Deary many times. Deary loves Pearl Jam. It's his favorite band. He loves Eddie Vedder. But he and he got me to get in on those big shows, and I liked the shows, but I never liked these giant, you know, mega dome shows as much as the intimate small shows that I grew up on. Well, I, I don't know what it's what it was like for you growing up, Chris, but Mike and I had a similar upbringing of being in high school and going to a ton of like small punk shows and like just smaller groups in places that held 1,200, 1,500 people. And I think about it now, being like 15, 16 years old, going to those shows underage and doing completely ridiculous things and causing so many shenanigans. So I don't know what it was like for you in high school if you went to a ton of shows with like your friends and would, you know. <laughs> more more in college. Uh, yeah. My first show in high school, my first, my first like music concert was The Monkees. Um, and my second music concert was the monkeys and let me so the monkeys had like this renaissance where they had their tv show that was like super popular after school remember this with like gumby and all this stuff and like i i'll be honest with you i do like the monkeys i have i think they are a total ripoff of the beatles and whatnot but like by the way the beatles are freaking derivative as well like all these like people like oh the monkeys are stealing the beatles music i'm like let's talk about the beatles they ripped off of like black culture in America. Of right? course, um, but but no, but I I love them and and they were great. And uh, and then I guess my next like real show was probably like Steve, the Steve Miller Band. That was like oh, a yeah. that was like my one of my like a was high it like show. a outdoor theater like a uh, yeah outdoor yeah, theater summertime <laughs> that was every summer every summer man. I, w- I remember I was really bummed because I'm a big Three Dog Night fan. And because uh, I, I, I love, I like all types of genres of music, primarily hip hop and classic rock. But um, I was a big Three Dog Night fan, and uh, and uh, I was a, I missed their concert somehow. The guy at the work or something. I was so, they had a free concert. I was like, oh my god, Three Dog Night's coming! And everyone looked at me and they were like, why do you want to listen to Three Dog Night? And I was like, have you ever heard Jeremiah was a bullfrog? That's a classic, man. Let's go. But That's uh, all I, missed, I know. I, I, I can't I, think of another song by them. Oh, the world is I black. Can't. The world is white. Come on, one is the loneliest number. Oh, you, you need to do a little research here, Mike. Okay, all right. Hey, I understand when I'm beaten. I don't understand everything, so that's good to know. That's why we do this show. Learn something new every time. 
I'm going to send you a mixtape. <laughs> Please do. Seriously, I have a tape player that could play a tape over here on this boombox. I'm not kidding. I have I all you. technology covered here. It's called the Explode. Deary scene. It's got the big red light on it. Yeah. I know it very well. Very dumb. You. You're listening to the Hans Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking with Chris from Baseball Pods. Don't just check out his Twitter handle. Make sure you go and check out his own website. Yes, he writes. He's got a great article about uh, the dead ball, the possibly deadened ball, and how it could impact certain hitters. Very valuable information on that. And he's got a whole list at the bottom of the article, which I found very useful in my own research. So make sure you go to baseball-pods.com and do yourself a favor. Of course, we're at Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Utah. Plaza Podcast Give me two. at protonmail.com. Chris, sliders or curveballs? Hmm. I don't think anything looks so, you know, in the world of gifts where we are right now, uh, we're all gift sluts. And um, oh, yeah. I would, and, uh, but I think that nothing is prettier than the 12 to 6 curveball. I mean, nothing. It's just, it's just, it's beautiful. And I, I, I would say Barry Zito may have my favorite 12 to 6 curve. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to... to I think uh, Zito's in the lead for he's clearly in the most lead. mentions on the 12 to oh, 6 really? curveball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time we bring this up, it's it about... four na- times. It's about 90% curveballs is usually the vote. And Barry Zito, like three out of four times, is brought up. More well, recently, I mean, too. The, the, th- the thing about it is when you think about a slider, it's... Look, that that boomerang slider is also really really hot. Uh, you know, Devin. You know, I don't know if Devin. I think it's Devin Williams. Devin Williams that has one that that's really nice. But um, but that you know when you the fastballs move kind of in the same direction. There's nothing quite. I mean, the Ephus pitch. I mean, is also beautiful. I mean, El Duque, Orlando Hernandez uh, was also someone that threw. I think he had a yes. 12 to six, but he had a lot. Oh, that was he was one of my a, favorite pitchers to watch. He had a Pedro S breaking ball. He was really oh, nasty. Beautiful. He really did. Oh, man, that takes me back. I liked him. I never liked uh, Levon as much. I was more of an El Duque guy if we had to choose between the brothers. Not that you have to choose between brothers. You should. He had that insane leg kick. He did. I love that toe. Yeah, the toe pointing down. Uh, (laughs) That was actually one of the only Yankees I ever liked. It's very strange. And Ron Guidry. I like Ron Guidry, too. Louisiana Lightning. Louisiana Lightning. All right, so sliders and curveballs in the bag. Uh, I'm going to ask you the final one, but I want to get your take because you mentioned hip-hop. And classic rock. So give me, it doesn't have to be your favorite all time, but give me a great hip-hop album for somebody to throw on when they listen to this pod later. Well, I, I believe that Midnight Marauders by Tribe Called Quest is probably, that's my favorite album of all time, period. Full stop. I also, by the way, love jazz. We could talk about that for like six hours as well. But uh, I, I mean, most people know um, Tribe, I think, at this point. I hope they do anyway. I mean, I've educated my sons well. They all know Tribe, so... They should. Yeah. They should. Um, an album that I don't think enough people listen to that is not even currently like kind of like cool. Like everyone loves Doom. I mean, he passed away. Rest in peace. But everyone kind of yes. knows about Doom. I would say go listen to Camp Low. Most people up. It, most people do not know who Camp Low is. C A M P, and the second word is Low. They created one of the classic hip hop albums of all time, and it was. It wasn't their only album, but it was their only album before they broke up and came back together and did another album. Um, they're, they're, I think they're from Atlanta. Um, it embodies everything that is wonderful about um, hip hop. It's got a lot of 70s feel. It's got a lot of black exploitation kind of feel. And uh, the album cover art uh, is by one of my favorite artists. And uh, So Camp Low, go look them up. Um, it's... Uh, You'll hear a lot of stuff that other people have ripped off since then. 
it's probably one of the best albums that has ever been made in hip-hop and most people have no idea it exists I honestly have never heard of Camp Low, but now I have something to look forward to. That's very cool. Definitely no tribe and yeah, all the regular stuff. But yeah, the, all the, that early the, '90s like underground kind of indie-ish uh, hip hop yeah. is great yeah. stuff. Yeah. So the the Camp Low, the album it was came out in '95, and actually they're from the Bronx, which uh, which you know just but the album feels I don't know there's something about it that feels Atlanta. And uh, it, it's called Uptown Saturday Night. Uh, Lucini, a.k.a. This Is It, is probably, like, the title track. If you listen to that, you may recognize it from, like, different mixtapes. Um, but they are, uh, it's Geechee Suede and Sonny Chiba are the names of the, um, I can't believe I didn't know they're from the Bronx. For some reason, I put them in Atlanta. So that just goes to show you I'm getting out of touch and old. But What a loser. Yeah, man, it's true. It's true, but, I mean, that's what my son see. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fantastic. God, I can't wait to... I'm always looking for new stuff, and even if it's older stuff, if it's new to us, if it's new to me, then that's all that matters. We'll it's talk jazz next time we come, I come on, Mike. Yes, we'll talk about 20-minute jazz odysseys. Yeah, it's going to be great. Finally, of course, we always ask this one, for love or for money? Always love. Money's for suckers. Love is real. Money's not. Even though there's some hip-hop that's about money. There's a lot of hip hop about money, but there's more <laughs> hip hop about. Money. I mean, and some, of about the love, some of it's about the, lo- some of it's about tri- the love of money. He loves Tribe Called Quest. It's always going to be about love over money if you listen to Tribe. Tribe, Daylight. Now, on the other hand, so if you Ooh, say yeah. okay, so it's like you know, the, you got the angel on your shoulder and the devil on your shoulder. So on the one hand, like I'm Tribe, I'm Daylight, I'm the Roots. On the other hand, I'm Biggie. I'm Jay-Z, I'm like, I'm old school showbiz and AG, I'm Gangstar. So it's like, you go both ways. But at the end of the day, they all rap about love. Well said, Chris. Well said, my friend. There it is. Rico's Inquisition. We learned a little bit about Chris, hopefully a little bit more than we knew when we started the show, and that's the focus. Don't forget to go to rotofanatic.com and listen to the Turn 2 podcast and check out our data monster. It's a lot of fun. I want to give a shout out to Dave Funnel and Mike Carter, who are also doing great work there. Mike Carter was on the SB Streamer podcast. Go check that out. He was on with Doug and Michael Simeon this week. Mike is very undervalued. He knows more and more about bullpens. He's really did a lot of hard work last year, and the bullpen work is starting to pay off. So make sure you read his closing remarks on Rotofanatic and listen to his latest episode. And Carmarana was on bench with Bubba. Check that episode out as well. I've listened to both, and I want to recommend them, not just because they're friends of mine, but, well... No, because I want to help them, too. Yeah, I want to support them. And it's not just because they're good dudes. They know their shit, and I would vouch for them any day of the week. And they're also, like, the nicest guys you could ever meet. They are very friendly. Yes, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know if they hold ill will in secret, and we'll never know that. Who knows what we're saying about each other off air, secretly in the privacy of our own homes. But I would like to think it's usually pretty good stuff. Then again, you think you know somebody, and then you don't. That's not what I'm saying about Carm. I'm making a terrible message here for the show. This is you just totally took it to a very dark place. I know. I, I was trying I to like do something. Never, I should have never chimed in and said those guys are nice because you I just tried to. <laughs> I was trying to do something good. Yeah, I was trying to prop them up, and now it's like getting all introspective up in here. All right, well, let's talk some fantasy here, and it's being recorded. The show, like we said, is recorded on Saturday night before spring training starts on Sunday. So this wow. is on the record. This is our Can't chance wait. to get our final big takes our hopes our dreams and our aspirations for certain players or maybe 
anything else fantasy related. It could be a pitcher, it could be a hitter, it could be a certain team you're expecting big things from. I'm down with any of it, but hopefully it's fantasy focused. It is time for Insane Fantasy Takes. Insane Fantasy Takes. <laughs> Why you taking that player? Insane Fantasy Takes. Why you taking that player? Still got to work on that sin dog, like insane I said, but you know, we're getting there. I appreciate I appreciate that. I mean, that's you got the be real and the send on there. That is that's something. By the way, go re-listen to their first album. That is great. Not, it's, oh, it's great. It's unreal how good it is. I mean, I know it's the that. a big song by them, but it's still my favorite Cypress Hill of all time. Is how I could just kill a man. It's the first song oh. I ever heard by them. I was like 11 years old, and I loved it. It was so good. So, it so makes good. you feel like you can punch a lot better than you can, though. Like you have it to does. watch out. Like if you when you listen to Cypress Hill, how I could just kill a man, or like Brand Nubians, punk jump, punks jump up to get beat down, like. Be careful. Like they're like they should, they should come with like a warning label. Like, don't think you're something you're not because you're you're not you're not these guys. Like, no, I, like I don't the, think. Don't go out and like you you know that they can get you like the same thing. The 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 number one song for that of all time that deserves a warning label is "Anti Up" by MOP. Like when you listen to "Anti Up" by MOP, you really feel like you might be able to like get in the ring with Mike Tyson, and like and you're you're still the same pudgy weak person that you were when you started listening to it but he's got these endorphins you're so let's let's go man i mean annie up you know kidnap people yes steal their jewelry (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i am prepared to do that 100 percent. i cannot wait (laughs) (laughs) oh i could just kill a man god i love that song so good it's a great beat uh shout out to the third crew member of the whole cypress hill gang the guy who makes all the beats god i can't what's his name uh he deserves all credit. Their beats and the Jesus samples Christ. and everything he puts together. Me. DJ Muggs. Yes, thank you. God, Who also did so House good. of Pain. Yes. Weird. Strange. No, they're 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 all the same. They're, 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 those guys ran together. House of Pain and Cypress and them. They were Strange. so uh, yeah. And then he became Everlast. It was just like yeah, respectable career. <laughs> respectable career. I'll find Chris. Give us an insane fantasy take, man. Let's hear it, man. Put it on the record now or forever. Hold your peace. I'm going to go with I'm gonna, I've got a couple here. So, um, and one just kind of came to me. I'm going to start with that. I was on Potapalooza, and um, we were talking. Justin asked me for my opinion on Nate Lowe. Now, I used to be part of the Nate Lowe, free Nate Lowe movement. It was a movement in fantasy. Um, I, I got the free Nate Lowe t-shirt. Um, you know, we were, we, I went to the protests. We tried to free Nate Lowe from Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay eventually did free him and sent him to the Texas Rangers where now he has to compete with Ronald Guzman, who, um, for all into, has gotten more of an opportunity than just about anyone deserves at the major league level and failed. Yeah. Um, no, thanks. So you got Nate Lowe there now at first base and they got to figure out what they got for him. So I figure they're going to give him some run. Texas steals bases. Um, and most Big people time. are not, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa, you know, he's going to steal some bases. Uh, Solak. Leody Tavares is going to steal some bases. Nick Solak's going to steal some bases. They're going to let those, they're gonna let those boys run. So, um, Nate Lowe has above average sprint speed, not for a first baseman for, but for a baseball player. Um, and, uh, he's young enough. I still figure he's going to want to do this. going to want, uh, so I think, I think Nate Lowe, I'm going to go bold here is going to steal 10 bases this year. Now, insane fantasy takes. Absolutely, Sandong, you were correct, or actually, be real, you were correct. Be there. real, yeah. Um, but uh, 
I think I like him more and more, especially in like a TGFBI or an FBC format where there's an overall, because, um, you know, there's definitely a floor there. Like you could cut Nate Lowe in the first couple of weeks. Like you could draft him and you might need to cut him in the first couple of weeks. There's definitely downside. His swing and miss is crazy. And actually I prefer him in an OBP league. Like uh, I have my favorite league, my all-time league, which we can talk about later, is an auction. It's OBP. And um, uh, I like he, he walks. Like Nate Lowe knows how to walk. He also knows how to strike out. So um, we'll see how he does. But uh, my insane take is 10 stolen bases on the year for a first baseman. You should not draft him as your first baseman. You should probably draft him as your corner or utility player. But uh, you're not looking – no one's thinking 10, that Nate Lowe is uh, stealing 10 bases, so that's my insane take. Damn it. See, I brought this up a couple of months ago, and I was really excited about it. And the guys on the show with me at the time, I can't remember who it was because we've done so many pods, but they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, he stole me some bases in September <laughs> last year. But then he only ended up seeing like one base, I guess. So it maybe yeah. looked like I was dumb. But I'm like, no, he can move, he can run. I and I just didn't, I didn't properly express or eloquently provide my argument, kind of like you did there. But that's exactly why I liked him coming into the season. Some people have turned me off from him and gotten my head, which sucks because I wanted to stay true to Nate Lowe, but still in a reasonable spot, like you said. I mean, if you give him full tons at bats, he's probably like twenty, eighty, eighty. With like a 230, 240 batting average. But if you throw in if you throw in 10 steals, that makes it a little different. And and in an OBP league, even if he's he's probably like 90 to 100 points above his batting average. So yes. like if he hits 240, maybe you're looking at 350, and then he's actually a contributor in OBP. I mean, that's possible. that's exactly the type of league I picked him up in last year. Yeah. It was an OBP like league. So well, good call. You were right. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you for reinforcing that. It's important. It's important, damn it. Gary, what do you got for an insane fantasy take? I know we've done a lot of these, but you can do it. This is not my favorite segment because it's just throwing a dart on a board and then saying something something about a guy. It doesn't mean I don't believe in what I do bring to the table, but yeah. I'm going to go with Hyunjun Ryu is going to lead the American League in wins and also ERA. So he's a guy who I think is being a little undervalued right now. He's the 24th starting pitcher off the board in NFBC draft champions. I have shares in him in both leagues that I've you know already drafted for as my second or third starting pitcher. This guy's just been uber consistent over the last three years. You know, there's concern after he left the Dodgers that, you know, would he still be able to keep up, you know, that innings rate? He pitched 182 innings for the Dodgers in 19. He did it last year. He pitched 67 innings. That's one of the most innings out of any American League pitcher last year. So, and this guy, he he's not going to blow you away with his fastball because he only throws 89 but he only throws that pitch 34% of the time. And he's got an incredible curveball That's like 70 miles per hour, a change up a cutter. He'll just throw all this different stuff at you. That is going to confuse you. And he doesn't walk guys and his ground ball rates impressive. So I think he's going to have a huge season. I think the offense is going to help them out. Uh, and if the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs, he may have to get like 30 to 34 starts. Cause I'm not really impressed by the rest of that lineup in terms of their pitching. So I'm going to go with Hyunjun Ryu. Leads the American League in wins and also ERA. Insane fantasy takes. Well done. I like that. That definitely is insane, but not crazy. It's hardcore, and it's bold, and it's passionate. Uh, you just never know with pitchers. So when you put yourself out there like that, you know, weird shit can happen, and I like it. I like it. For me, I'm going to go 
Starling Marte. Starling Marte will lead the National League in runs scored. Insane fantasy takes. There it is. Putting it out there. He's going to get the advance, the opportunities. He's in a lineup that is maybe slightly underrated with the Miami Marlins, in my opinion, or maybe it's not. Maybe we all know the NL East is a, a bear when it comes to offense, probably more so than the AL East now. It's overtaken the other East in terms of Eastern dominance. And the Marlins have plenty of guys that can drive guys in, and Marte's going to hit high up in the order. I have no doubt about that. I've been targeting him. I think I have, uh, he's one of the guys I have most shares of in terms of like player shares on NFBC. I have him in four leagues at least. So I, you know, I try to diversify and that's out of like seven or eight. So it's not like I have him in every league, but it's a healthy amount because he's always right there in the spot I've been at, which is the turn, by the way. He's always there available at like 48, 47 ish. So if you're looking for a guy to get you steals, batting average, runs, all that jazz, he's always going to be there for you. It usually comes down to like him, Blake Snell. If you want to go pitcher, those two guys are usually there on the uh, third go of it. You're, so when you're, you're saying the turn, you're saying you can get him at the end of the third round, the beginning of the fourth, usually? Wow, that's yeah. great. I, I'm a big Marte guy. I love him. I'm with you on All right. Stelling Marte leads the National League in runs. Uh, got one more for us, Mr. Marr. Yes. Um, I, I, so I, I like, I'm a big uh, Ryan Yarborough fan. Um, oh, you're a Yarborough. He, I'm a Yarbrough. I, I like to think I'm the original Yarbrough. Uh, you know, well, we, on this uh, show, we will refer to you as the original Yarbrough going forward. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, the OY, uh, if you will. Um, so, uh, you know, earlier in this offseason, I've, I've been getting him everywhere. And uh, Derek Rhodes and I, who great follow, Dr. HOA3, I think, on Twitter, Dr. Derek Rhodes. He does, he's amazing. Guy. Love yeah. him. We did a best and, ball uh, with him last Saturday night. So oh, we can go tonight, right? Chris. Yeah. You oh, that was. Man, I keep on hanging out with you. On time weekend. flies. It's I know. Amazing. I don't know why I keep saying that. What a good time. We should, like, you know, I can't wait till we actually go to, like, a, you know, a Violent Femmes or a Punk Rock show together. Um, 2025. But, um, I'll see you there. 2025. That'll be the day. Uh, but um, Yarbrough has great ratios, has shown great skills. Uh, Tampa Bay knows what they're doing with their pitching. Like, two years ago, I think he had, like, 15 wins. Last year, you know, it was whatever. You know, I don't know what kind of wins he had, but he performed well. Tampa Bay needs arms, man. I mean, Yanni's on the DL for the year. Uh, you know, they granted they brought an archer, but they 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 don't have like this boatload of, of starting pitchers that are going to go deep into games. And if he if people are like, oh my god, he might you know they might give him an opener. Great, that's how we got those fifteen wins and in great ratios. And I I think there's going to be a there's a flattening of starting pitching where a lot of pitchers are not going to get for whether, whether it's six man rotations or innings caps, they're not going to get like 190, 180 innings. So if Yarbrough gives me 140 innings of like really high quality ratios on the raise, a team that knows how to win and put him in a position to succeed, I'm all here for it. And he's going at pick 246, I think in ADP. And um, so I think he's going to out. My prediction is, um, Sorry, 253 is his ADP. So I predict he will end the season as a top 150 value. So he's gonna out he's gonna outproduce his ADP by hundred picks. Furthermore, furthermore, I will say he will outproduce the Nelson Lamette who was going at pick like 160 picks earlier. So you've got a pitcher on the board people are taking and i don't know who these people are because i can't find the denelson lebet 
like fan club. Um, everybody I talked to doesn't like him, but apparently maybe the Lamet <laughs> maybe the Lamet family are like big fantasy players. Who likes but, this guy? But but well, someone does because his ADP is 86 overall. So you've got a guy that's 86 overall, and then you've got a guy who's 250. Come to me, third overall. I'll take the guy that's going 253rd. So those are kind of you get a two for one prediction there. He's going to outproduce his, his ADP by 100 picks, and he's going to beat out a guy who's 160 something picks higher. Insane fantasy takes. Well done, sir. I dig it. I like it. Uh, the original Yarbrough has spoken. Oh, why? Why? Oh, why? Oh. Yes, the OI. Yeah, I didn't catch the beginning. The OI has said his piece. The Oracle has spoken when it comes to Yarbrough's. Deary, one more. One more, dear. We squeeze one more uh, out. Uh, all right, let's make this one quick. So if we all agree that Acuna, Betts, Soto, Tatis, Trout, and Trey Turner are your top six hitters, it seems like that's where they're going in NFBC. None of those six hitters will finish in the top six of hitting fantasy-wise this year. <laughs> oh, man. That is, that is fiery, fiery intense. Now, here's what I think will happen. Let me give you five guys that I think will all finish ahead of them. Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, Tim Anderson, Cody Bellinger, and Jose Ramirez. Good God. That's the same here. <laughs> That's why it's insane fantasy takes. It's that not is... out of the realm of possibility. Whew. Man, that is... I feel you on Story. Story Ramirez. I think Story, because of the steal, Story and Ramirez have legit shots for sure. Sure. Bellinger. The only problem I would have is maybe that Soto. You left Soto out. That's the only beef because he's so good. He's so yeah, good. I mean, my other insane fantasy take, which I don't think is that crazy, is Juan Soto wins the Triple Crown in the National League. Sure. Very, very. That's possible. A lot of and if, it, and if that's way. the case, he's probably the number one fantasy guy, which... I mean, I have contradicting him number one. fantasy takes. Yeah, I have him number one on my board. So. <laughs> Too many damn insane fantasy takes. There it is. That's enough insane fantasy insane takes. We got fantasy it in the bag. Takes. Thank you for being a good sport, Mr. Marr. And thank you, Deary. As always, we've squeezed as many as insane fantasy takes as we can out of you. I've thrown in a couple here or there. I think, did I say recently that Ty France would win the batting title? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> we've had yeah. some real crazy ones. There's been some Gary Sanchez going to hit 40 home runs. Yeah, it's uh, Fran Mill Race is going to hit 50. They're insane takes, Chris. That's what we're doing here. So, yeah, going crazy. Fran Mill hitting 50 is very, I mean, if the ball's deadened, that could be a problem for a couple of those predictions. But, uh, yeah. All right, there is. Uh, next segment here, I wanted to focus on keepers. Now, there's always a lot of talk about dynasty and prospects and stuff. But the more I'm around the realm of baseball people that are, are not in the business, they're just regular Joes and Janes who are trying to understand what to do with their teams. If you go around a lot of Facebook groups uh, where these people are like asking questions and they're throwing them out to people, there's a lot of keeper questions, keepers. And keeper baseball is not talked about like uh, much at all. And I kind of took this cue from you, Chris, to be honest. Not that you said this specifically, but it was kind of, I started thinking about what there isn't so much of. And there's not a lot of, maybe Dynasty and Keeper are synonymous, so it's like a technicality, it's semantics, but I don't think so. I think there's yeah. a slight, Dynasty's deep, right? And Yeah, Dynasty's deep. Keeper usually has uh, um, salaries or limits on how long you can keep people. Dynasty tends to be a little bit more, there, there aren't 
there aren't pure definitions, but dynasty tends to be more like keep forever, whereas uh, keeper tends to have contracts and other things. And um, and you, whatever the, I think in either case, your point is right. And there's a, uh, you know, Eric Cross. I was waiting for your shout. Um, oh, and, uh, <laughs> sometimes I really tuned I, into what you were saying, Chris. I thought I was so listen, so intently focused on his words, I wasn't even hearing the words he was saying. Sorry, but when you think about like Eric Cross and James Anderson and others on Twitter, a lot of what you see them getting tweeted at is these questions because, and they are format specific. And yes. this is what I think is one of the things that's hard. I get it as a podcast. But I think that we can get more format specific in our analysis. And so, um, but nothing is, you can't really tell because keeper leagues vary so much and dynasty leagues vary so much in terms of their rules. But if you, a lot of the interaction on Twitter and with analysts, just not even on Twitter, just in general is, hey, should I do this or this? Like they want that analysis. So I think you're completely right. It's an area where we could do more in the podcast world and in the fantasy world where we, not only just to answer those questions, but try to provide analysis that then individual owners can apply to their, uh, their current context. And that's what we're going to try to do here. So the first part is Roto. So this is Roto only. Roto, Roto, Roto. So I'm going to give you guys conundrums that people have brought to me and that I've heard about or that I've seen in my own recent perusings around the internet or with friends in leagues and you guys just tell me which one you would prefer so this is roto focus though so make sure standard five by five nothing no obp we're just going standard five by five okay the first one is between these two guys is it shane bieber or you darvish and i'll start with you chris marr uh, maybe this is a no-brainer but if this is a keeper league you got to take age into account, and this changes things. Yeah, I mean, it's Bieber clearly for me. I love Darvish. Uh, actually, I think there's an argument for him to be the fourth overall this year. But in redraft, Bieber's 25 and uh, has less of an injury history. So Bieber, easy for me. Yeah, that, that I guess that would be pretty simple. What do you think, Deering? Same thing? Yeah, I mean, Darvish is 34. By the time we get to next season, he'll be 35. And I, I don't see him being a guy who's going to pitch until he's 40 years old. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Chris. I think Darvish has the chance to be kind of your fourth pitcher off the board. I think you're going to be just fine with him. But I mean, Bieber, we're going to get a good seven to eight really, really solid years out of him coming up. So the answer is Bieber. Okay. This next one is Bryce Harper. Again, we're talking Roto, Roto focus. Bryce Harper or Eloy Jimenez? We'll go back to you, Chris. I'll take. Um... I'll take Harper here, um, but it's it's this is a good one. This is a very good one. Uh, I, I think this is a great question. Um, in OBP, it's 100% Harper all day, every day. Um, but um, it's I still take Harper in in a regular league because he's got like what 12 years left on his contract, and he's <laughs> you know something like that, right? Um, and, uh, and you know he's got he's got a while. Um, I love Eloy. I, I, by the way, can we just talk about how great it is to watch like Eloy and Luis uh, Robert and their interaction in the outfield? I mean, just fantastic stuff. Uh, it just makes you makes me a bigger baseball fan to watch the, the way that they're clearly friendly and fun and interacting. Uh, Eighty grade team chemistry, as you would say. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 beautiful, and I'm I really hope Larusa doesn't wreck that in Chicago. And I'm glad yeah. Tim Anderson and him had a sit down, and Anderson has kind of said, "Hey, I'm behind this guy." And, Hopefully the Roos is, uh, you know, uh, 
challenges are behind him. But uh, for me, Harper's a top 10 overall fantasy dynasty asset. So for me, it's it's clearly Harper. Uh, Eloy's, by the way, not far behind. He's number 15 on my list in general. So mm. this is really close for me, but it's Harper uh, in a close one. Yeah, it's it's Bryce Harper for me. It's amazing. The guy is still only 28 years old, even though he's been in the league since 2012. And he's been able to stay healthy the last three years, 58 games last year, almost played a full season in 18 and 19. And I, I think the real big difference here is with Harper still only being 28, I think he still gives you double double digit steals over the next four to five years. Eloy does not steal bases at all. And I absolutely love Bryce Harper. I think he's kind of undervalued a lot of times. Um, yeah. in, a, in a Roto 5 by five, 5 by 5 he's one of the top 10 hitters for sure. You change it up and you add OBP in there, like Chris says, and you know his value just skyrockets. Huh. Wow. I thought maybe one of you guys would ride for Eloy. That's interesting. But, hey, easy come, easy go, Eloy. I'm sorry to say it, but that's just Yo, plus, plus the Plus the Phillies – you know, with some of the moves they've made, they're keeping Real Mudo around. Um, they're, they're, they want to make the most out of Harper's contract and try to make that a competitive team. So uh, I, I think they're going to continue to do that, which is going to keep his value pretty high. Okay. Well, we're talking keepers under a roto categorical scenario here. This next one is Alec Bohm or Key Brian Hayes. I can't keep both. I can only keep one. Going back to you, Chris. This is uh, two guys... This- that he lucked into, by the way, or whoever this is, lucked into having both these guys on the team, but they can only keep one of them. Well, Hayes is both, both these guys moved up in my rankings after last year. I think they both performed well. I wasn't as surprised about Bum. Uh, I was I was surprised about Hayes. I'm not going to lie. I, I did not. Charlie's boy. I did not think that he was uh, um, going to be able to do this. Um, hey, I can see Charlie Hayes right now catching that pop out. <laughs> Yeah, so congratulations. Your first World Series in many years. 1996. I was in East Palo Alto, California, um, watching it in the living room. Uh, I think, um, I think, uh, but but for me, bomb. So Hayes is interesting in that he can definitely steal a few bases. I think, um, I think, you know, the batting out, the hit tool has always been legit. I don't know that the power is going to stay. Bomb could could do a lot. Like I still think there's power to come from him and his batting average is legit. Ballpark and then you put, then you then you throw team context in and it's just like, you know, you pray that like Pittsburgh is actually real about turning this thing around because Cabrian seems like the kid who's got his head on his shoulders and is ready to roll and like you don't want to see um all the pieces being stripped down around him as much as they have been this year. So hopefully this year was an aberration and they're finally moving in the right direction. But uh, I'll take Bomb. And also Bomb this year, I think, is going to have first base, third base eligibility. So just a little extra feather in the cap. Deary, how do you turn on in this one? Yeah, no disagreement here. I think it's Alec Bomb. I, I, I like both yeah. players. but you guys just, are all green. Well, that Sorry roster, about that. You know, we just, we just <laughs> talked. <laughs> how just, dare you? We just talked about the Phillies and that roster construction. They're going to be competing over the next four to five years, and I don't know when the Pirates will ever compete again. So you feel bad for a guy like you, Brian Hayes. The speed tool is great. If he can end up being a guy that steals 20 to 25 bases over the next few years, that's fantastic. I think average-wise, they'll probably be similar, but 
I mean, Hayes is just not going to have many opportunities to get across the plate or knock guys in because there's just not a ton around him. And, you know, if if any guys do break out on that Pirates team, they might get shipped off for, for some prospects. So I hope they don't waste these young years of Cabrian Hayes. But I like him. But I, I'd go with Alec Baum as well. I think he has a really, really nice season. And I think he's going to end up being an absolute stud over the next three, four years. But don't uh, you if, you, realize- if, you, if you ask me where I, who I would rather go watch, it would be Cabrian because that stadium is phenomenal. This, go, if you can get to Pittsburgh to watch a game there, go watch a game there. It's- I think I've, I've been, seen it from the outside. I've been to 17 stadiums. It's it's my favorite by far. I had a blast when I was there. But I, dear, you should you know this as well as anybody. This is an individual wow. sport to a certain extent, more than most sports. So. That's Are true. Overhyping but... the this like Cabrian Hayes lack of players around him to con- help him contribute. Can't one guy make a bigger difference in baseball than almost maybe basketball? But these are like the sports where you can have the biggest individual impact. I I agree to an extent, but like who's going to score more runs, Alec Baum or Key Brian Hayes? I think it'll probably be Baum, even though he will bat probably further down in the lineup. I just I. I understand where you're getting at from it. And maybe I need to go back and look at more research from the last, you know, 20 years based on like who was, you know, top five, top 10, top 20 fantasy players and what was the impact of having players around them. But I, I actually think it it's a huge, huge deal. Whit Merrifield scores runs on these Royals teams that were pretty crappy after they broke up the World Series winners. You know, I don't know. It's just if you get enough at bats, it'll be volume. And then if so, if Cabrian Hayes is in the top three of the lineup, then that's probably, I don't know, that could probably still work out. But you're right. It's a very, bombs in the better lineup and the better ballpark to hit. There's no doubt about it. But I just don't want to, it seems like everybody's jumping on this clear-cut decision now that Hayes lineup blows and we're starting to, you know, smack him with the ruler. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not his fault, but I'd just really like to know, like, Let's say he bats 280-290. How many runs does he end up scoring? And what were what how many runs would he have scored if he was on a different team that may have some better players behind him? I it's something that I truly, truly do believe in. But it doesn't mean he, he has no value at all. I think he does have a lot of value. I would also I, just add that like Cabrian, Cabrian Hayes' part of his value is his glove. And like so when you saw him on prospect lists. His glove was one of the reasons he was as high as he has been. And that's great for real-life baseball and the Pirates and their fans, but not great for your fantasy team. It's great in the sense that he's guaranteed playing time and they'll get the at-bats there for sure. Um, and I mean, I, look, I, 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 I don't think Cabrian's a bad kind of roster. It's just I do I think Baum is a little bit underrated right now going into this draft season. And uh, he's got a lot of – he doesn't have as much – power uh but he has a better hit tool and he has a, a, a power in the way that he could be kind of like uh, uh you know he could have a sim- similar overall value as reese hoskins where i just don't see cabrian doing that unless he really ramps keeps that average above 300 and steals 15 plus bags because i don't i don't think he's gonna hit 20 25 home runs that that's the biggest thing for me is he's never been a power guy i mean just looking through a plus ball double a triple a you know the most he ever hit was 10 in 110 games that's not terrible um if he somehow turns into a guy that hits for power and hits 25 home runs then yeah maybe i elevate him up there a little more um but i think you're going to get better returns immediately from bomb and then maybe a couple years once you know that hit tool for key brian gets a little better and maybe he's able to launch the ball out of the park 
then I think maybe he's in the conversation, but it's still bomb for me. Okay. Hey, I appreciate you guys really breaking that down, giving us your honest opinions as always. That's what we do on the Hey, it's Enrico Plazo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network. Plazo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Utah. Give me two. We're breaking down Roto Keepers here. Roto Keepers. We'll give you one more Roto Keeper scenario and we'll move on from this. And I'll give you three of these guys here because it's kind of a log jam and it's unclear. But there's potential. And then there's guys who've been there, done that. And then it's borderline. So Ian Happ is one. Ian Happ, Josh Bell, or Julio Urias. I can keep two. Can't keep all three. So that's Ian Happ, Josh Bell, Julio Rios. Two hitters and a pitcher. For those of you listening at home or in your car or in a pool. Maybe it's hot where you are and you're in a swimming pool. I don't know. It's possible. Chris, what do you think? Uh, those t- three people, two of them you could keep. One you got to say bye-bye to. I'll dump Bell. Uh, Bell uh, so you're, in a keeper league, you're, Urias, like similar to Harper, it feels like he's been around forever. But he's still very young, um, he and uh, and he pitches in a great ballpark for a great team. And uh, it could be this year, it could be next year, it could be the year after that. He's still going to be in his prime, uh, and could be a Cy Young Award winner. Like just that's his up. His upside is is significant. It's that elite. So for me, if I'm in a keeper league, I don't. I, I definitely take bats over over arms in general, um, but. I definitely want to hold on to him. Um, so then it comes down to Hap versus Bell. Uh, Hap showed a great batting eye last year. I think the Cubs are kind of, in a, I don't know, like, I mean, we'll see. I like Rizzo and Baez and Bryant a little bit more than most, but because um, everyone seems to be down on them. Yeah. But I don't love them. Uh, but Hap knows how to take a walk. He's got good pop. Uh, he showed showed a lot last year. Should have an opportunity to play. Um, definitely bell 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 will too in dc for sure Mm -hmm. i just feel like because of the batting eye um i'll take a little bit higher than bell it's not like a massive difference but um but bell's downside he's shown a floor that uh hasn't yet and um so i would just i'll stick with the guy who um i think is uh in a has shown a little bit more discipline and therefore someone who i'll if i'm gonna bet on a keeper i'll bet him don't hate Bell, though. Don't hate Bell. It's not a Bell hate thing, so people don't get it twisted on Twitter. Deary, what do you think here? Ian Happ, again, for the listeners. Ian Happ, Josh Bell, Julio Urias. Ian Happ's a slam dunk for me. I think he has a huge, huge breakout season, and he's going to be great moving forward, so I like Ian Happ there. And then it comes down to Bell and Urias. I think these are two very, very interesting players. I'm not someone who's going to keep a number three or a number four starter this year or next year. So Julio Rios still very, very young. He has not pitched a lot in the major leagues. A lot is based on what the Dodgers do with their pitching staff. They've been safe with him after he had that catastrophic, you know, arm injury. When it comes to keeping guys, whether it's a dynasty or, you know, any type of keeper, depending on how many you're keeping, the only pitchers I'm going to keep are the absolute superstars, superstars, you know, the, the one or two slam dunks that you have. So I think Urias is out for me. Now, Josh Bell, I, I love the fact that he that he's over with the Nationals now. He's going to bat in the middle of the lineup. 
it's a nice park for him to hit in. I think you throw out last year's garbage season where he batted like 190. Throw that out. I think he comes back as a really good season, has 90 RBIs, close to 30 home runs. But how long is that going to last with Bell? Uh, it, it, you know, he's 28 years old. He's the oldest side of this group of guys. But I also think there's some other first basemen out there, especially some younger first basemen that could be coming up. You know, your Ryan Mountcastles, who I think, you know, has the opportunity to be pretty good here in the next few years. So I think it's going to be Urias. It's going to be out for me. It's just the uncertainty of where it goes. But like Chris said, like this guy has the talent to be a Cy Young award winning type pitcher. It's just when are, when is he going to get the opportunity? When is he going to finally be able to pitch 180 innings? He's he's not someone who has pitched very long you know, within that starting role. Uh, so, so he'll, he'll be the odd man out, but, but he's an intriguing guy. I do have some shares of him. Right, these are the tough questions we asked here. The keeper conundrums. You never know. Yeah, some of these are very, very close. And of course, more roster construction information would be useful, but we're giving kind of a couple of players at once, the back end of keepers or individual choices between one or the other based on salary decisions. A lot of keeper leagues are different. So that's, Best we could provide for you. Um, we'll leave that there because we got to keep moving forward. I want to do some head-to-head. I, wanna, I will incorporate some more head-to-head keeper discussions too because I know you guys are out there and I don't want you guys to think that you're being dismissed. I never want this to be too heavy on like, hey, it's all about NFBC. There's people who play Yahoo head-to-head and it's their home leagues and this is how it goes. And Amen. I want to respect those people. So, Amen. Um, yeah, God, we're already at 145. I <laughs> I feel like if we talk about the foundation, I talk too much, Mike. It's my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm sure. No, he. Yes, he does. He talks a lot, but that's yes, why we of had course you on. Does, we, but that's we why wanted we, you yeah, to talk. Course, yeah, yeah, that's okay. But I feel like we do the fantasy foundation. It's going to go for like another 45 minutes, and then we'll have more. So <laughs> we could do. We could. Uh, I will offer you this, Mike. We could do a rapid yes. fire fantasy foundation. Really? If you want to do that? If you want to do rapid fire, I'll do okay. it. If you can put, handle it, let's go. Put, Put them, on, put them on the clock. It's like the, what was it, the $20,000 pyramid? That's right. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's, Let's this do is all. No more Here stories about Kirk Gibson. We're all in. Yes. <laughs> Us three will do our way. own hour-long pod about how emotional we get watching it. We'll watch it live. We'll cry about it. We'll, oh, we'll, I have we'll give some virtual hugs. You. We, we, I will hold you to that. We need to do that. <laughs> anytime, anytime something comes on like ESPN or MLB Network about it and my wife is like, Chris, Chris, come in here. I'm like, why, why? She's like, well, I just want to watch you cry. <laughs> I am. I will cry with you, Chris. We will be two Chris's crying about Kirk Gibson. Yeah, one, two, Chris is crying before you. Let's go ahead now. Yeah, little spin doctors. All right, uh, rapid fire. Here we go. Fantasy foundation of Chris. Parker. First thing you do when you sit down for a new season of draft prep. Go. Uh, read the baseball forecaster. Bingo. It's that simple. Ron Chandler, Baseball HQ, Baseball Forecaster. The importance of league strategy. Paramount and completely underrated and does not get talked about enough in the fantasy podcast world. League strategy, league context is at least, I would, if you want to put me a number on it, sure. one third of the, of the game, maybe 40% of the game. A player that is someone that you should draft in the fourth round in one league is someone you should not draft at all in another league. So we do not talk about it or or do enough with it. And uh, to me, it's the it's it's what people should be trying to do more in our world is giving league context. Uh, points is different than head to head is different than roto is different than dynasty is different than keeper is different than uh, NFBC is different than you know best ball. I mean, come on. 
Like we don't, we do a terrible job, if you want me to be honest, as an industry of giving league specific uh, advice. And that's because we're trying to, we think there's this big audience out there that does not exist, to be honest. And we're, we want to appeal to all of those millions of people. And the reality is it's tens of thousands and you should try to do a better job of uh, appealing and giving information that's useful to people who are playing the early contest. Well said. That is good. That was reasonable. And this is not league settings. We're talking strategy. So make sure that you don't confuse it. You should obviously know your league settings or else you're probably screwed. Uh, tell us about someone we should know about that we don't know about in the fantasy baseball community. I mean, you, you know everyone. So it, it is a really kind of impossible question for me. Yeah, I, but what about good. the people out there? Yeah, it's for the audience, Chris. For the audience, um, someone who is flying under the radar in general is Brian sure. Seymour for best ball. Uh, uh, Brian Seymour knows – there you go. Brian Seymour knows more about best ball than I know about myself. Um, he is uh, a, a – He's like a treasure trove of knowledge, and he knows how to apply it to different formats. He knows how to apply strategy. Like, this is a guy you need to be – like, the Best Ball podcast that he puts out, It's I think it's at Fantasy Best Ball, but the last L is not an L. It's a number one. Like, mm-hmm. follow that guy and listen to all his podcasts if you're thinking about doing Best Ball. And by the way, more of you should do Best Ball. Love best ball. It's so fun. God, I, first time I played was last year and it changed my life. I finished third in my Roslam League. I loved it. I love Cutline. I love best ball. Anything best ball related. It's it's going to change your life, especially if you're a fantasy analyst who's trying to play in a lot of leagues keep it simpler. It's the way to go. It's so, so the way to go. Trust me. Uh, and by the way, Brian will be on the show in about 10 days. So, yes. Oh, nice. We'll, we'll be talking with Brian Seymour here live on the Hands Rigo Blotso Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, that was good. That was a good. That was a good pull. See, you didn't think you could do it, and you did it. Uh, do mock drafts help you? Only in the very same context. So I'm doing a mock draft right now because I'm doing TGFBI starting on Monday. So I'm doing a, a mock draft that's based exactly on that. Otherwise, they don't help you at all. So don't waste your time. Is there one? Well, you already mentioned the, the baseball forecaster, but is there an entity or a person you trust more for fantasy advice than anybody else? Todd Zola. Period. Great. How do you make decisions on 2021 starting pitching innings limits with this 2020 season we just had being so short? I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think there's going to be a little bit of a flattening of the curve. I'm going to – so what I will end up doing is drafting innings, guys. I see people – like, I don't understand Jose Barrios' average draft position. Like, I don't get it. Like, he's going to throw a ton of innings, and they're going to be pretty good. You're pretty sure about that. He might not win the Cy Young Award, but, like, you're looking at a really incredible floor there. Why is he going where he is? Um, I will be – so I will be prioritizing those innings, guys. In the beginning – Volume. Volume, volume, volume. Uh, if you've ever watched the old Saturday Night Live skit about uh, the bank that makes change, how do they make money? Volume. That's how you make money in the 2021 fantasy baseball season with your pitchers. Secondly, though, later in the draft in those middle rounds, uh, you're going to look at someone who is a starting pitcher that is quote-unquote established but doesn't have a ton of volume. And you're going to look at a pitcher like the, the aforementioned Ryan Yarbrough who doesn't pitch a ton of innings. I'll, I'll take Yarborough because he's going to have the ratios, and the guy that you think is going to throw a full season is not going to throw a full season because his team's talking about a six-team rotation. The one caveat I'm going to throw on all that is 
all these teams talking about a 16 rotation, pitchers get hurt. So good luck with that in July. Um, I don't think we really know what we're talking about when it comes to pitching, which is why I want to take my anchors early and get volume from them. And then I will later on in the draft take risks with guys where it's not clear what the innings pitch ceiling is going to be. That's a quality strategy. I still am confused. I still don't know, and I'm trying to figure it out on the fly. Like everybody else who's listening to this podcast, what is the value of projection systems to you personally? Um, I think they're overrated. I think they, especially coming off of 2020, I think we're overrating them, and we, we can't help it. I'm overrating them. Like I'm definitely overrating them. And I, going into it thinking I'm trying not to overrate them, but I still am overrating them. You look at those numbers, you can't help but see them. You can't help but like picture the player doing those things. Like there's no way you cannot. That so I, I'm I'm a in 2021 more than ever, I'm a skills over projections guy. And I have to figure out how to when I get into my mainstream leagues, which I'm just starting to get into, I need to figure out how to make sure I'm I'm trying to create systems where I don't look at projections to draft and I'm only looking at skills. Um, because I know the projections already in my mind, they're going to be back there, but I want to look at, I want to be looking at skills when I'm actually clicking the draft button instead of the projection. Harder for me to have said it better than that right there. Well done, Chris projections in this particular year are more pointless than they've ever been for this particular coming season. Cause we've never seen anything like we saw last year, uh, favorite league type to play in preferred format auction. Auction. auction is the best for 10,000 reasons. Auction in person is the best for a million reasons. My favorite league is 25 plus years old. Auction in person. I cannot imagine a way that I would enjoy anything more on earth than a fantasy baseball auction with my friends. It's literally the greatest feeling that exists outside of intimacy, which we won't get into. <laughs> um, but it's just so amazing. I mean, oh, like it's high stakes poker combined with baseball combined with your friends combined with just oh it's it's everything so i missed i missed that very much during covid but um auctions my favorite format by far because it gives you the most control in general over how you want to draft um and it allows you to do very different things and there is literally no way for you to prepare for it <laughs> no Shout out to my guy, Brent Herzog. Got me in my first auction league a couple weeks ago in baseball. I've done a lot of football, but that was my first baseball auction, and I loved it. God, I wanted more. I want more. It's like sex. You're going to want <laughs> I haven't had sex because I haven't seen my girlfriend almost a year, so I understand what you you're mean. Like the, uh, I, I got to say this, Mike. You're like, you know, when we were growing up, everyone used to say my girlfriend lives in Canada, and that meant you didn't have a you're girlfriend. Guy, but, no, like, Mike. you've got video proof you have a girlfriend, so it's like, well done. Like, well done, sir. Like, you're not – you're like, yeah, my girlfriend lives in Canada, and here's video. It's just, like, very well done. It's like yeah, the, girl you, the girl you only see at summer camp. Yeah, she's not a sleepaway camp. She's a real thing. Hi, Leanne. Love you. Just Jesus, you. it's almost been a year. This is insane. Yeah, March 1st, that's two days away. All right, and lastly... Love, and, I, and I love the work that you and her do on the pod, on the daily... Uh, it's daily... I follow the pod it. that you don't remember the name of. You're full I of can't remember the name of it, but I've watched it for like the last three weeks. because <laughs> No, we had John L. recently. That was cool. Oh, episode, my God. Yeah. Three hours of Italian wonderfulness. Wow. That's what I call that. <laughs> yeah, we broke it up into three parts. It was It's worth it, though. If you haven't checked it out, go check out the first eight I pods. Listen to spent, John L. 
I didn't realize. Uh, my wife was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm listening to this." And then I was like, "And I was also listening to something else that John did." I think I listened to John for five hours last Sunday, and it's just like I have to reevaluate things. I mean, there 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 are worse things to do with your life than listen to John for for five hours. But I think it was like five hours of John on Sunday. Yes, John L. It will be moving average. I spent seven hours on StreamYard with him last Sunday. That's what you're referring to. Because we did the three-hour podcast in the morning, and then I was on the draft for the tag team oh showdown. Gosh. So that's, yeah. That's right. That's what it was. What was this last Sunday, Mike? Yeah, yeah it was quite a day. Oh, my God. Seven hours with John. He's, it was worth it, though, man. God, he's a, he never, his energy never goes down. And he also has a lot of great tips about, like, Wealth management and stuff. Seriously, go check out that podcast on First Day. One hundred percent. I have actually reached out to him for significant personal advice. Like that is yes. no no BS. Like, and he'll tell you everything. He'll tell you this is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is what I think. Yep. And it's at no MLB moving at AVG is an absolute must follow. And if you have a question, DM him. You will get seventeen answers. <laughs> he will not let you down. I promise you that. Uh, lastly, is there an old school stat you still rely on or are we overstating the value of current analytics? Uh, you know, obviously we need runs. I mean, we, <laughs> they're never going to go away. Um, there's not an old school. It's a really good question, Mike, actually. There's not an old school stat I rely on. Um, I do. I guess the way that I think about this is batting at like, and there's been different studies on this. I really do look at um, batting order and like the top half versus the bottom half of the order, just in terms of at bats and plate appearances. So that, which translates a lot into runs, RBIs and counting stats. So like, I think one of the things we don't do well is we, so we look at all of our analytics and we say, I like this hitter. I don't like this hitter. Their stat cast page, which I think is grossly, misapplied in general in our industry, including probably by me. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, we look at that, we look at that stuff and we're like, oh, this is red, this is blue, this is this, this is that. If a guy's hitting leadoff or second, like so let's just talk about this for a minute. Like Miles Straw right now is poised about leadoff for the Houston Astros. Rumors. Houston Astros are a good baseball team that will score a lot of runs. Now, do I think Miles Straw is like, you know, the next coming of Kenny Lofton? No, I don't. But like, I think we can get lost in the sauce of StatCast and some of our more advanced data and forget about the fact that, hey, for whatever reason, team context, clubhouse, defense, these things that we don't pay attention to in the fantasy world and don't prioritize, Dusty Baker's thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Dusty Baker doesn't care, you know, what Miles Straw's stack cast page is. I mean, to an extent, he does. I think we throw Dusty into this old school bus a little bit too quickly. I think he's probably a lot smarter than we think he is about this stuff and a lot more aware. But Dusty's thinking about the clubhouse. He's a manager of men. He's thinking about defense. He's thinking about all these things that we don't necessarily prioritize. He has a different list. And if he determines, and I can see a very logical path where he determines Miles Straw is the number is the best person to lead off for our team. That impacts us in the fantasy world in a way that I don't think we quite put into our projection systems. So our projection systems look at the last three years of data, they're coming up with an average, 
there's this, there's, they're, they're baked in, they're, they're mathematical systems. They don't take into account for the actual reality of the day-to-day of baseball. And so the thing that I think we need to look at more is lineups, playing time, managerial decisions, where we, we've, we've like kind of admitted this in the closer realm. Like we all like, oh, closers, you can't freaking predict them. Screw closers, who knows, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think we've done it for the lineup enough. And I think that oftentimes there are a lot of players that you can get on draft day. They're going to hit in the top five slots in a lineup. And that is not reflected in their projections at all. And therefore, it's also not reflected at all in their draft price. Yep. JP Crawford's a great example of that. Amen. He's buried. And yeah. he's going to be leading off probably. Yeah. So there you go. I said J.P. Crawford was going to score 100 runs this season. That was my insane fantasy take. He may not get 100, but if he's lead off the whole year, I think he's probably scores 80, 85 runs. Yeah. Insane fantasy takes. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's a great call, Chris. That was a little awkward. But uh, a little awkward silence there. Nothing wrong with that. No, I was just going to say, I think that's a great – a great example of another guy who people are underrating dramatically. Like go look at the top four of the San Francisco giants. Like they're the San Francisco giants, but they're not going to, they're not the pirates. And like, and like there are people like there are players in there who are going to get 500 at bats, 550 plate appearances. And you're, and, and people are not valuing them as such. And that's a different, that's like a 20 run difference compared to like somebody who's batting ninth or, not playing full time. And I think we, I think one of the things, my learning from 2020 was maximize plate appearances, maximize plate appearances, and innings pitched, right? Like that's how you won last year. Yeah. And while it was a short season and we're going back to a hopefully longer season, let's go. Like we should learn that. We should take that with us. Beautiful. Yes, that is the key lessons. These are the takeaways we want. Thanks, Chris, for sharing your fantasy foundation in a quick hitter style. We could have gone a lot longer on that, but at least we got some of it in, and that is so cool. Thank you so much. Now it's time to close out the show. Last thing, shine or ride the pine. This is where you truly put your money where your mouth is because you can't go push. It's either you're shining it or you're riding the pine. And we're going to use the stomper projections from Steve Paolo today. And the first guy is a guy off that same Mariners team. Remember Mitch Haniger? Good old Mitch Haniger. Is he healthy? Is he going to be starting? Is he going to be part of the team? I mean, what's going on? We don't really have a lot of information on that, in my opinion. But we expect Mitch Haniger to steal six or more bases in 2021. Chris Maher, shine or ride the pie? Shine. I will take him and whatever version of his testicles are left. And uh, I'm a big Hanager guy. I mean, we all, we as as men, we all we all identified with his his injury, and uh, um, we read it and we we winced and we prayed for him and we prayed for his soul. And he is he was an all star the last time he was a full time player, and he can run. And the Mariners like to run, so let's go. I'm shining it all the way. Theory. I think he's going to have every opportunity to. I I don't think he's going to lose his spot, even though some of the young kids might come up this season. Six is the projection. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. You know, I I like the Mariners this year, too. I I don't think they're going to be world beaters, but I think they could be 500. Six. Six, six, six. I'm I'm going to say no. I, I, I don't think he plays in enough games. I still think he probably plays in 130, 140 games. But he's just going to be a tad below that. 
So I'm going to say even, no. Okay. Ride the bun. Even if all the outfield studs show up, I still think he'll be in the mix. And six steals? I'll shine it. I think it can happen. Give me six or more steals. Woohoo! How about this guy? Alex Dickerson. You just talked about the Giants. By the way, the Giants were really screwed by relief pitching last year. They could have been a lot better win-loss-wise if they hadn't had epic blow-ups at the back of that bullpen on a few occasions. Alex Dickerson is a guy I have nowhere. I have not touched him, but people are drafting him, and they're excited. He's 31 years old. Can we expect Alex Dickerson to hit 17 or more home runs this year, Chris? Which one? Which Chris? You, sorry. You, he's Deary. You're Chris. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Sorry. Um, 100%. I have Mr. Dickerson everywhere. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. If he's healthy, he will hit those home runs. It's a question of health. And I also, he, you can get him very, very late. He's a great guy to get. He's got, he probably will not stay. If he doesn't get 17 home runs, I think it's going to be more about health than skill. And with where you're taking him, I think that's perfectly, uh, perfectly good gamble. And you can probably follow up with one of the players that will replace him, like Austin Slater. If he goes down, you won't have a huge drop off. So I, I say, I will say yes on Mr. Adick. Slater's getting uh, PRP injections recently, so negative returns at this moment for Slater. Good news for Dickerson, though. Uh, I'm going to ride the pine on this. Deary, what do you think? Um, oh, God, that's so right on point there. I, I think he hits 20. Over the last two years, he's really been able to hit the ball hard, really good hard hit rate, and that barrel rate has really jumped up from when he was in San Diego. The problem is, is like, is he going to get the at-bats? I think he does at the start of the season, and he showed the last couple of years that he's been able to hit for average. So if he gets 500 at-bats, I think he hits 20. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shine it. Oh, shining Alex Dickerson on 17 or more bombs. How about Will Smith of the Atlanta Braves? He's a reliever, and they got a lot of arms in there. Even though they got rid of Melanson, Will Smith is still around. He signed a kind of a decent-sized deal a couple years ago, three like three years, $40-plus million to be part of their closer situation. So 14 or more saves in 2021. Shine to ride the pine, Chris. I'm going ride the pine on this one. Will Smith wasn't very good last year. I think he wasn't. I mean, everyone wants. Well, what about to be. when he was in San Francisco? He was incredible. That's what got mm-hmm. him the contract. I mean, uh, so first of all, I think the best. So, um, I, 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 if you look at my five guys article on, uh, I think it was five guys who are not closers but might be closers. Chris Martin was one of the closers in there, and I like Chris Martin. I mean, fourteen, fifteen. I could I see him doing that? Yes, hundred percent. I'll take the pine though, just because. I think there's a chance Martin takes the job and runs with it. Um, I'm also betting the under on the Braves, by the way. I think that uh, uh, I, I, I made four over-under bets this season. Over Mets, under Braves, over Brewers, under Cardinals. Um, the Braves' starting rotation concerns me a little bit this year. Um, and uh, I, love Met, I love it's either um, old, It's either old or unhealthy. Yeah, and it's like or so young. Okay, so, so you all right? So Charlie Morton, uh, you know, I loved him last year. He did not work out, and he's only older now. Drew Smiley was great last year in a limited size uh, sample size, uh, but I think he's fine. But I don't think, I think he's probably going to get hurt again or get back or or implode. Soroka's not healthy. I loved oh, I loved Freed last year, and I, he worked out well. Freed and Anderson are the stalwarts, really. I think Freed's going to be a league average pitcher this year. Over the long term, I like him. I love him in Dynasty, not redraft. Anderson, I don't know what to do with. He was great. It's undeniable. 
most people who watched him did not think he was this person. So I'm going to bet on on that track record. So I, I think the Braves' offense is actually really good. I think their starting rotation is questionable. I'll take. I just think there's other arms in that Atlanta bullpen. So I'm taking the pine on on Smith for all those reasons. I don't think they're going to win as many games as people think they will. And I think Chris Martin is a better is better poised to close. But could he get 50? It wouldn't shock me. But I'm, I'm gonna. It's a tough choice. I'm taking the under. I don't think there's going to be anyone with 30 saves in Atlanta. Ooh, yeah, they got still mentors in the mix. Martin, yeah, there's a lot of guys over there. I give you that. I actually like Will Smith out of all these guys, but I'm gonna ride the pine on 14 just because I, <laughs> I just not, I can't see it. I think it's a mess, like you said. Also, Eric Cross, real quick, is my tag team partner in the tag team league. He demanded that we draft Ian Anderson. He's such a believer. So if you like what Eric Cross has to say, then buy into Ian Anderson because Eric's like, we gotta take this guy. He pushed pretty hard for it. I watched you take that. Was that was a bold pick? I mean. I think you could have waited two rounds and still got me in Anderson. That was a bold pick. Hmm. That was that was a that was a plant your flag to borrow a Tristan Copper. Uh, well, we missed we missed other opportunities, and I probably pissed e, uh, Eric off because we didn't get like Andrew Vaughn or Jordan Alvarez. So he was like, "We got to get this guy now." So, uh, Deary, what about you? I'm gonna ride the pine. I, I think they go into some type of closer by committee they also have a like a ridiculous amount of lefties in the pen will smith yep aj minter tyler matzik grant dayton john newcomb who i like like there's so many lefties uh i think martin actually has probably the best stuff out of that group i do like minter as well i actually like minter more than will smith but i think what happens with the braves is they go by committee and when they're we're getting close to the trade deadline i think they go out and get a right-handed reliever to end up being your closer, maybe like a Greg Holland type guy uh, to solidify, you know, the bullpen by, by putting another right-hander in that bowl. Cause they don't have many right-handers. So uh, I'm going to ride the pine on Will Smith saving 15. That's curious. Very curious. We're using Steve Powell's stopper projections. You go to stopperprojections.com and follow along. If you would like currently looking at Brady Singer of the Kansas city Royals. Can we expect Brady Singer to give us 133 or more innings pitched in 2021, Chris? I say yes. Uh, not by a ton, but I, 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 Singer showed a lot. He, he's got a pedigree. I love these Kansas City pitchers. Like I'm, I'm, I like I like I like Singer. I like Lynch. Um, I'm hopeful on Kowar. Uh, Lacey, look, oh, man, he's he's fun to watch. Boobage. So uh, so I, I'm gonna go over on Singer. Um, uh, I, Brad Keller is, uh, by the way. Uh, a wonderful sleeper. I will try to get him on as many teams as possible. Uh, so I think he's going to be good. And they've got a lot of arms, but I, I think Singer is going good for 145, 150 this year. Danny Duffy's still there, too. I love Brady Singer this year, but I'm going to ride the pine on 133. Deary, what do you say? I'm going to ride the pine, pine too. I, I like Brady Singer. I think this guy has the pedigree and the stuff to be a top 10 fantasy pitcher within, you know, two or three years. You yes. Know, the guy was absolutely incredible at Florida. And I like some of the returns we got from him last year. You know, 64 innings last year. That's pretty impressive. So we're probably going to get just a little bit under what the, that projection was from stopper so it's probably about 120 to 130 I, I think maybe they pull back with the starts maybe at the end of the season maybe he gets 30 starts but maybe it's it's kind of four or five inning type starts but i also have no idea what the royals are going to do maybe they end up you know saying hey all right let's throw him out 160 innings i don't think that's going to happen i like brady singer but you know chris brought up you know guys that 
you know, you're going for for high volume guys, guys that are going to pitch a bunch of innings. And then you look at a Brady Singer who you can get way later in the draft, who's not going to throw 180 innings. But I think the returns and the ratios that you're going to get from him could be pretty good, even though it is a, a tough division. I think he's going to be able to hold his own. So we'll, we'll, we'll go ride the pine on that. But I do like Brady Singer as a fantasy fantasy option later as your kind of you know fourth, fifth starter on your team. Let's try another one, a young pitcher who has had some issues and we're still waiting for the kind of explosive nature of his incredible talent to be unleashed. A.J. Puck of the Oakland A's. 70 or more innings pitched this season, Chris. 70 or more innings pitched. I'll go over because I've drafted him a couple of times. I'm in on A.J. Puck. Um, and I don't know if the innings will be there. Let's just be clear. Like, I think he's going to be there in the beginning of the year and I just pray for his health. Um, but... Um, I, uh, he has had, he has like ace upside, like a lot of prospects. We're talking about pitching prospects. You're like, okay, they, like AJ Puck has ace upside. It is there to be an elite guy. Um, if he's healthy, uh, we'll look back in a few years and like, oh yeah, well, of course AJ Puck. But right now people aren't convinced and I don't blame them. He hasn't shown a reason why you should. I still, in this, in this year, I love taking him. And I, I like I like taking a lot of ace pitchers. I think Oakland's got a, a fascinating staff. Manaya's about the only one on that team that I'm not really interested in that much. Um, and if Puck, where you when you're drafting Puck, it doesn't really matter. Like if you get 80 innings out of Puck and they're good, and I think like whatever AJ Puck pitches, I think are going to be good innings. Then you replace it off the waiver wire because he's going that cheaply. I don't think it's it's uh, I think the discount for injury is baked into his price. So I'll take the over, and I'll just say, go get AJ Puck, have some fun. Uh, you know, maybe you catch lightning in the bottle, and you get uh, he's a league winner for it. I'm gonna shine it as well. I love AJ Puck. I just don't want to take him with a lot of risk, but I absolutely believe that he is an ace caliber pitcher. I have no doubt about that. It's just all about injuries. Bottom line, injuries. Gary, what do you say? Seventy or more? I'm gonna shine it too. I think a lot is going to depend on your league format. If you're in, you know let's say an NFBC league where you had 50 rounds, you're in the draft champions. Like you're not paying anything for AJ puck and you can start a ton of pitchers in that league. So maybe AJ puck only starts six or seven games to fill in, but I think he could be a very valuable guy that comes in in the fifth, sixth, maybe seventh inning. They're, they're going to want to slowly build that up with the build up his arm with that injury history. So maybe he only goes three, four innings at a time, but still appears in maybe, you know, 30 35 games which would be great and he's got amazing stuff he's just been unlucky with the injuries and it really really stinks you know this is a guy who was a big time prospect and he has some beautiful flowy blonde locks as well so you can't beat it 80 grade flow dearie i I wonder i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up as someone who struggles follically um i'm glad you brought that up um, i I wonder if he takes a hair straightener to because it's very flat there's no like curl in it whatsoever but I, i as a bald man as well i am jealous uh, I will say, I will say, I will say. Uh, the other thing, just to think about, draft and hold is a great call. That's where I've drafted him completely. I would, I would also take him in NFBC if he falls to the right place. One of the things I love to do with draft and hold, though, is get a bunch of these Oakland arms. There are a lot of Oakland arms that are kind of injury prone. You can stack them though. Like, so Dalton Jeffries is another player I'm in on a lot. Who's a big arm? You got Grant Holmes there. You got James Caprelli. You've got all these like high impact arms that have flame out possibility okay give me four or five of them and hopefully two of them hit and then i'm gravy because you're you're getting them you know beyond free 
Victory in numbers. That's a good strategy. Uh, a couple more here. We'll call it quits. Carter Keyboom. Carter Keyboom, third baseman, potentially for the Washington Nationals. 54 or more runs scored this year. Uh, Deary, let's start with you. 54 or more runs scored. So he's going to bat ninth in the lineup. He's going to bat right at the end of the lineup. I love the team this year. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. What's the number? 54? Mm-hmm. He'd probably bat eighth, by the way, if there's no DH. That's well, true. Maybe he will bat ninth. I don't know. Some managers like to do that. You're right. Yeah, sure. If he gets the opportunity, if he gets 500 at-bats, I think he's got some of the best hitters hitting behind him, which will always help. If he bats near that end of the order, you're going to see Juan Soto coming up close to being after him. So, yeah, sure, we'll shout out. I'll say Carter Keyboom scores 60 runs. Well, this is simply a bet on whether you believe Carter Keyboom will get the playing time and finally kind of step into a role in 2021. If you believe that, then you're shining this all day. If you don't, it's Ride the Pine. I'm going to shine it. What about you, Chris? I'll shine it too. I won't shine it too hard, but um, seems like don't more... shine it. Ne- never shine it too hard. <laughs> I'd say more likely than not, they want to see what they got with Kaboom. Um, uh, he's an elite prospect, um, and uh, you know, I think Starling Castro is there and can take some time away from him. And I like Castro more, but sixty runs is a pretty low bar, so I'll take the over fifty. Right now, this is a mess. The San Diego bullpen is more clouded than ever with Melanson signing, Keone Kila signing, they have Pomeranz. <laughs> the guy I'm going to ask you about is Emilio Pagan. Can we expect six or more saves from Emilio Pagan? We'll go back to you, Chris. I'll take the over there. I, I once again go back to Preller, feeling like, like, what are you doing? Like, you're clearly AJ Preller is the guy that hates fantasy owners, like more than anyone. <laughs> He's stacking all this talent. We have no idea what he's doing with it. It's really annoying. Um, I'll take the over because I think there's a... I don't know that they're going to have a, a guy that's like the guy. I can see Pagan getting five or six saves. I can see uh, Pomeranz, right, getting some saves. I can mm-hmm. see um, Kila. Kila all, these, I mean, all these guys can get saves. So, um, given the fact that we don't know what's happening and given how volatile relief pitchers are given how much they get hurt i'll take the over there for yeah i'm gonna shine it as well i actually think there's a lot more saves in the can for pagan once things get cleared out he's a very talented pitcher i still believe in him very much so he could end up being the guy so keep an eye on that but it is a real mess so i can't give you some secret information that i'm telling you for certain means it's going to be the truth deary yeah that bullpen in terms of drafting for fantasy is going to be just as confusing as it is with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I, I think it's by committee. I'm shining this as well. I think it's by committee. I think Pagan is probably the better right-handed arm over Mark Melanson. Uh, I'm not huge into Drew Pomeranz being your lefty closer. I think depending on the situation of the game, let's say you got two lefties coming up in the seventh or eighth inning, you can see Drew Pomeranz coming out because really the only other lefty they have in that bullpen is I'm looking at roster resource is Tim Hill. So I, I think Pagan probably gets a share of saves. Melanson does it as well and they're going to win a shit ton of games there. So uh, maybe Pomeranz ends up leading in saves, but I think Pagan can give you seven or eight saves. So I'll, I'll shine it. And finally, this one's for Chris, Yimi Garcia of the Miami Marlins. 12 or more saves for Yimi this year, Chris. I'll take the over. Uh, Last time I checked, Bass got hurt last year. So I'm going to guess he's going to get hurt this year. And I like, look, I I love Yimi. Um, Mattingly went out and said 
positive things about Yimmy setting my compete for the spot. I don't think he's going to be the set closer there, but I think he'll get his fair share. And uh, he'll be on a lot of my teams because I think regardless of that, he's a high level leader, which is what we should be rostering. I mean, what I see myself doing in the NFBC drafts in all likelihood is getting one of those top tier closers and then one or two guys like Garcia, maybe two or three guys actually, who are not closers, quote unquote, who I can get for free at the end. And then while I'm figuring out whether my sixth or seventh starting pitcher are worth starting, I put them in the lineup in the beginning of the year, feeling more confident than them them than the borderline starters that I have until and that they'll, they'll help stabilize my ratios for those first few weeks until I figure out what my rotation looks like so I'm in on Yimmy and I think he I think he's got a good shot at the over there I'll put my I'll put my my, my stake in on, on his name I'm only bringing it up because you're on the show and I'm gonna shine it because I believe in you I have nothing else to believe uh that would be true even though Bass does get hurt and but he is talented. He's talented as well. So I like Bass, a... too. I like Bass, too. Let me be very clear. Yeah. But, it, you know, it could be a mess. But I'm just going to shine it just because I like you. Uh, Deary, what about you? What did I say last week? I think we, I think we had Yimmy up on uh, Shiner Ride the Pine last week. We definitely talked about him. So, uh... Hmm. Uh-oh. <sighs> that, that's okay. What's the number? Twelve. 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 Yeah, sure. Fuck it. We'll shine it. Well, no, I mean, to Chris's point, I just did this in our Palazzo Invitational. I took as many guys out of the Philly and San Diego bullpen because I have no idea what's going to happen. And it's a strategy. (laughs) Well, it's a strategy I've been using the last few years of grabbing seventh, eighth inning guys that are giving me like great returns. I had Chad Green the last two years in in a league, which is, you know, league dependent because I had, you know, holds and also K per nine. But like Chad Green, even if you're just playing in a five by five and you're getting him for free. Like he's going to give you some value. He's going to strike guys out. And he's not going to give up any runs. Beautiful. That is a perfect way to wrap up the show. Well done, Deary. A fuck it pick. That's how we do it here on the Hey, it's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We have had a good time. We've learned a lot, hopefully. I think it's been quite introspective on all angles, whether it was, you know, hip-hop or Yankee Stadium, fantasy baseball. We covered that. And we also covered the Baseball Pods tourney, which as we close the show, that's what I want people to remember the most. Tourney's still going on. Brand new week starting Monday. Whenever you listen to this, it might be Monday. It might be Sunday, the day before. But you can go to Baseball Pods on Twitter, at Baseball Pods. Very simple. And you can vote every day of the week, right? Chris, tell everybody what to expect. So thank you very much, Mike. I First of all, I just appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure. I could literally, we could do a six-hour podcast, and I honestly wouldn't be bored. I mean, that's not that's that's the truth. I mean, we could talk about anything in life. Cannot wait to get together with you once COVID's over and uh, and just literally just hang out and be, and, uh, and be together. Uh, so just want to say that out loud. I tell you what, I tell you what, Chris, you will like him more in person than just looking at your computer. Because I've been hanging out with Mike for like 18 years now. He's he's pretty fun in person too. Well, you know, he's got a lot to live up to, so we'll see. I'm not sure. All three of us. Uh, all three of us are going to Yankee Stadium. We're gonna have a terrible time. Or whatever. Or uh or I'll come to Detroit. We'll figure it out. I'm uh now you're I, talking. I, I'm a big fan of uh, of investing in cities that have seen better days and need some love, and I love the city of Detroit, and I think uh, there's a lot of great things happening there. So I'd be happy to come support you guys in your hometown, in your home area. 
Um, so next next week will be round two of the of the tournament, and that's uh, that'll be the four brackets once again. And then usually we do the entire. I think it's the following week will be the Sweet Sixteen, Grade Eight, Final Four championship. So that's how we'll roll. And it's a, it's a three week tournament. That's what we've done the last few years. I hope folks just stay in the spirit of the tournament, support each other, listen to the pods. I love hearing seeing people say, "Hey, I just discovered this new pod." I mean, it was amazing. There was this. The Roto Brits, which if you don't know the Roto Brits, you should go listen to their pod. I'm going to be on their show this week. They're British and they do fantasy baseball podcast. And for some reason, they like the Marlins, which is really weird, but it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, that's Peter. That's more Peter, I think. But whatever. Uh, they just have such a Marlins bent. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure well, out Those guys why. in particular, though, but there's a UK fan page and Twitter handle for every MLB team. They're all UK yeah, Marlins, yeah, UK they're, Phillies. Yeah, they're all out there. And, and I will just say, I have... I have been a massive fan of the English Premier League uh, soccer for the last 25, 30 years of my life. I love soccer. I'm a Newcastle United fan for life, which means I'm a long-suffering schmuck. Um, just so you know, if you don't know what the Newcastle... Have, Newcastle they, been rele- what, have they been relegated? They've been they relegated twice since uh, I've been a fan and come yeah. back up. They come back up. We are the Toon Army. Um, Newcastle is the Cubs before Theo Epstein. Just That's basically who they are. Uh, and the, and they're the they're the, but they're the Cubs with, with like the the loudest fan base and the most loyal fan base. Uh, my favorite quote is: "If you painted a dog in white and black stripes, fifty thousand people would show up to watch him play soccer." And that is absolutely true, and I would do it too. So uh, I, I respect I respect the the British fandom of whatever team they want in this country. So, uh, but vote in the next round of the tournament. It'll be this week. Uh, Please um, listen to the podcasts. Find the ones that you haven't heard before. Take a listen. I guarantee you're going to find, if nothing else, people really trying to bring good fantasy content to you. And I, I will bet dollars to donuts. You will be surprised pleasantly that in the content that you hear from some of these quote-unquote lower seeds in the tournament. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Vote. Get connected. You know, ask questions. It's all good. Everything is about curiosity with this thing, you know. Get curious. Just make it a curious experience for yourself. Dear hey, you, hey Mike, what, what, sorry, one last thing I should say. It's not about the tournament, but I think we should bring it out just because it's another example of someone doing really interesting things in the industry. You and I, and on our on our one of our threads, we've talked about, you, you referred recently to Roster Resource, which is a wonderful thing that Fantrax does for us. But there's a guy who does another, he has a Google sheet, which I actually think is competitive with roster resource. And it is sometimes mm. different than roster resource. Have yeah. you talked about MLB radar yet? I haven't yet, but we've talked about, I've been in the mix with the chats and I think he's actually going to be on uh, Zach's pod next week, the draft champions podcast. Awesome. So like, this is a guy that just does what, uh, what roster resource does, but he just does it on the side. And um, I'll be honest with you, the way he presents the information, shout out. Oh, oh, I had the wrong. Oh, God damn it. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Amateur hour. Over here, I know, man. It's a piece of shit garbage show. This is why, why we're going to lose to Bubba and Toby this week. Shout out to, yep. shout out to <laughs> Deadpool and Rob. That's for me, or, not for you, uh, Rob. So, so Rob, Rob, Rob alerted a, a number of us to this guy. He's got an amazing Google sheet. It's publicly accessed. It's called MLB radar. 
and uh, go check it out. He does it on the side. And for my money, the way he presents the the information, which is not just about the, the lineup slot, it's about contract and all this other great information, go follow it. MLB Radar, he's on Twitter. Yeah. That's a great call. I'm really glad you brought that up in the show. Well done, well done. Uh, Deary, don't forget to tell people, though, about your Deary decimal system. I mean, come on. We, you're sharing about, rankings. You're putting in hard work on I this. I talked about it last episode. Well, you have. To, this is what you do, though. You have to do it every episode. <laughs> you have to continually talk about it because someone might have missed the last episode. This is how it works. Well, yeah, so check me out, C. Deary, 1999. I rated my top 50 starting pitchers using this new Deary decimal system that I had created. Uh, it's based on a lot of different projections, kind of averaging those out and then making those five by five categories, certain paramount different gaps to, to give a equated number out for each player. So a, a really good number to be like a top 15 guy would be 28 to 32 points. Really, really low would be like seven or eight, which means those guys are closer down to like 200 to 250. Um, once I kind of get those numbers out there, then I look at it personally like what do i like about this guy more than the other guy and i also try to grab a couple uh three-year projections from those guys and also where guys might be trending so check that out tgfbi monday we'll be drafting so i'm gonna talk about a lot of my picks from there i also need to give a recap of what happened in the plaza invitational number one and then also next week we also have the the raz slam uh draft as well so there's a lot going on spring training begins tomorrow i believe so I'm going to be pretty active here in the next few weeks. So check me out. See Deary 1999. I'll be pulling my next Deary decimal system rankings out later this week as well. League four is open and available. The link is still at the top of our Twitter bio. Go to our at Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's, and you will see Utah. right there at the top of the page. Just click on the link, sign up. You can only do one entry. So don't worry if you're like, oh, I... I already did an entry, and I signed up again. It will not let you sign up. Derek has set it up a specific way. And the overall winner gets a big-ass trophy. Don't forget, there's a big-ass trophy at stake. It's going to be a lot of fun of the four <laughs> leagues. It's DC, $50, which is draft champions. If you never played NFBC before, this is also a great opportunity to kind of, you know, feel it out. Get in the mix. And, hey, you know, I've never done this before. Try something new. Take a chance. I mean, it's COVID, for Christ's sakes. Try something different. Trust me, you will not regret it. And, of course, the Palazzo Invitational. We'll talk about TGFBI starts, all that stuff. So thanks to everybody who supported the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for getting us into round two. That was very kind of you. If you want to vote for us in round two, that's great. We would love your vote. But Bubba and Batflip Toby are definitely worth your votes. And all the people are great people. So thanks again. Shrimpo Captain, Sam, uh, Mark Kiefer, so many of you people that I can't even name. Thanks to the Glarf. Great Lakes Area Roto League is going to be kicking off on Monday as well. So there's a lot of leagues, a lot of drafts kicking up into high gear right now. And I'm getting even more excited. I can't wait. Next week, we got great guests like Jeff Erickson, Frank Amaranti, Yancey Eaton, and more. So they're going to be coming on in waves. Oh, Blair Williams, too, from Razzball. I'm really looking forward to talking with Blair. I love Blair. So not that I don't love any of those other guys any less. I love all of them equally. I'm done. Godspeed, everybody. Thanks to Chris. Baseball pods. Check out the tourney. Bye-bye. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly.
they mean to take us as a prize. <laughs> and we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.